What a rat-looking, homo-repressed mama's boy. Why not set your goals higher, huh? You wanna be one of the big boys? Huh? Manson? Bundy? OJ? I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Do you wanna play psycho? What are you waiting for? Can I be the helpless victim? We all go a little mad sometimes. Welcome back, K's, Ghouls, and everyone in between to our podcast, The Horror Bandwagon. The podcast where I make my scaredy cat skeptical and wonderful fiance watch horror movies with me. That's me. I'm the fiance. My name is Sergio. And my name is Cody. And we are boys for horror analysis, criticism, and spooky, okay? And sometimes cooking. Entertainment. And Cody, my dear, what are we doing for today? Well, folks, are you ready to enter the world of sequels? You better be, because there are certain rules that one must abide by in order to create a successful sequel. Number oh. one, the body count is always bigger. Number two, the death scenes are always much more elaborate. More blood, more gore, carnage candy. And number three, never, ever, under any circumstances, assume the killer is dead. You know, I love that dramatic reading of you. I feel like yeah. you need to go more into acting more. I'm going to make you read off, ran- like, the beginning is always going to be random lines, but I'm going to, next time, just give you a whole soliloquy. Cut to <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm reading the entire movie verbatim, the whole script. <laughs> yes, that is right, guys. Prepare to install that caller ID, because we are diving into 1997 sequel to the pop culture giant. Yes, that is right, guys. We are getting into... Scream 2. Uh, I cannot wait, especially because we just did the first Scream. I'm loving that we're just bouncing right to the next one. Oh, me too, because I love the whole franchise, and I'm loving the opportunity to rewatch them. But wait, there's more! (laughs) (laughs) Guys, we are joined by some of the fiercest people with such an iconic podcast, AJ and John A from the Destination 180 podcast. What up, y'all? Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you guys today? Great. And I'm super excited to be here. I love you guys. Oh, look, first of all, let me tell you something. Uh-oh. And not to just throw shade out there. This is how you know. Any survivors that are listening to this episode, when have y'all ever heard John A this hype? <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! You, no, because no, she wears she wears it on her sleeve all the time. Now y'all know she must like this movie. She gotta like this movie because you see how she coming hot out the gate. Oh my god! So we picked a perfect one. That is so great. This is so great. We literally are so honored to have you guys onto the show. We've been talking for so long uh, via Instagram, via just listening to each other's podcasts. So we can we cannot just be more honored to have you on here with us. Yes, so welcome. We're happy to be here. Okay, we're jumping on the bandwagon today. Yes. Now, do you guys want to take a moment, tell the the listeners at home or in their cars or wherever they are at uh, to tell them about your podcast? Well, um, we just gave you a little uh, clip of how spicy we are. <laughs> Always throwing shade at me. Always throwing shade. But it's fine. Like, you like don't you. do the same thing. I do. Right. Okay. All right. <laughs> let's, let's answer the question. <laughs> so, um, during quarantine, uh, maybe a few years back, I started listening to a horror podcast and I would be responding to what the people were saying and having my own ideas, things like that. And sometimes it would get to them um, speaking about people of color 
and they wouldn't be understanding certain things. And it was like, you know, just questioning stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a reason you don't get it, but you know, it is what it is. So why don't I, and here's the crazy part. This is what I'm getting to. Once we started Destination 180, we started finding all of these other podcasts with people of color. We found you guys. We found all of these other people, our mutuals that we all talked to. And it wasn't until we started a podcast and we started seeing that there was a whole community Mm -hmm. and it's just been lovely. But more about the podcast, it's a play off of my favorite franchise, Final Destination. (laughs) Um, More... More towards the third one with the amusement park themes and stuff like that. So every week we pick a movie that falls into our monthly theme and we take you on a ride. It might be a doozy. It might be well. You just got to grab your tickets and find out. Guys, I absolutely love the idea. Like once you guys like started posting the different parks and the different themes, I was like, this is genius. Oh, my God. I, it was like a perfect, perfect idea. I love your marketing. Oh. I think it's awesome. Well, okay, no, I love it. a podcast. <laughs> we will sit. We will sit and like you. Like, did you see what such and such posted? Like, we will talk about a few different podcasts. Yeah, like, this looks so good. Like, what is this? <laughs> like, how are y'all doing this? <laughs> no, no, no. You, you guys are amazing. All your posts have been like killer. So, I mean, I'm honestly like also nonstop. I'm like, oh my god, I can't keep up you're so good uh, and all like the birthdays all the anniversaries i forget i honestly like you guys should also just start a blog or like some sort of like website and like in general like a news mm-hmm. like movie news or horror news because that the yeah. you guys are so on it thank you something we'll you know we always trying to do a little something, something see how things turn out <laughs> <laughs> and if you like them they do have a patreon that you can sign up for. Oh, yeah. And you know, we're so... <laughs> we're so, like, modest. Like, we'll say everything else. We'll be like, yeah, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, D180 Podcast. <laughs> and then people will be like, you know, you got a Patreon. We'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, you can. <laughs> you know, you know, if you want to. Right, if you want. But jeans, listeners jeans, at home, that. like, support, support each other. If you like what you see here... Uh, do your best to support if you can, of course. See, that's me, me, mm-hmm. right. like, if you can. Right. And see, and that's what it is. That's what it is. We don't ever want to force anybody. If you genuinely want it, you know, we know you're going to find us where you need to. So exactly. We never just want to make people be like, hey, give me your lunch money. We don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me start asking both of you. Um, what is your history with horror? Like, what got you onto it? What really clicked? Uh, what didn't click? Just in case you don't like horror that much. <laughs> um, so, sorry. Let us know. Not to shame. I guess I'll start since you know Ashley gave the rundown. So, uh, for me, my horror background starts with my mama in sci-fi. <sighs> Yeah, the sci-fi channel. We were watching all types of movies that had to deal with aliens and robots and some sort of sci-fi material. So I know she was the one who actually introduced me to Scream and a couple of other horror movies. And so from there, I've just been 
infatuated with Halloween and all things horror. Mm-hmm. I'm a little behind the curve with horror movies, hence our podcast. But <laughs> I'm getting up to speed. <laughs> For me, all I remember is my first horror movie was Halloween. I was five and I was with my um, oldest brother and my mom. And I guess they must have thought like I wasn't paying attention. I was going to fall asleep. But I remember seeing Michael walking down the street. And I'm like, this dude is in Haddonfield. We in Indiana. Why are you showing me this? <laughs> but for some reason, ever since I've seen it, it was just like I was actively seeking horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell the story about like when we were growing up in on-demand Comcast, I was always watching something on there. And then huh, who let me get Netflix? And when I got a little bit earlier, cause I was really getting into everything. That's where I was really like once streaming, the early days of streaming before we started getting all these other places, when mm-hmm. it was kind of just Netflix and then maybe just on-demand Comcast, I was just getting all of the scary movies, just wanting to watch everything. And yeah, it, mm, I haven't been the same since I seen Halloween. <laughs> we'll just start there. Just never been the same. Poor it's, thing. <laughs> it's so weird because I feel like, I mean, Halloween was definitely for me, I actually forget what's the first horror movie I watched. Because I, I started young, like way young. My parents were really okay, which wa- wa- like watching, having me watch horror movies, gore stuff. It, it didn't matter. I was okay with that. Uh, two right. guys kissing on the screen. I was like, oh, okay, no, no, no. That's a no, apparently. Uh, <laughs> the first one was, one of the first ones was Halloween, and that was a very big impact. And I remember loving Halloween for so long. I still love it, but I think my. Um, right. My palette has expanded with with a bunch of other horror movies, you know? I think Halloween was the early first for me, too. Um, it was at the babysitter's house. That's how you know I wasn't supposed to see it. Because the babysitter... Ooh, that's how you know movies. y'all was trying to get chopped up. <laughs> <laughs> Recipe for and disaster. The babysitter. Right. Why was she watching that? Babysitting y'all, the, I wouldn't do that. It was, no, it wasn't. It was the babysitter's daughter. So you know how you had your babysitter has what? like teenage daughters and stuff, and she in high school, right. and she was like, "I don't want to watch y'all here. Sit here and watch this." Oh, so we're yeah. watching Halloween. We're watching the Blob. <gasps> watching all types of stuff that we're not supposed to be watching. That sounds fun to me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, I would love that time. That's how I got hip to the culture early, early. <laughs> <laughs> the, the babysitter's house. Well, guys, we're going to go into Scream 2 in just a little bit, but we're going to stop by some things first, some checkpoints. What are your thoughts first on Scream 1996? So we covered that last week. We're going right into the sequel, but I want to know your thoughts of the first one. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, okay, so Scream is my favorite franchise hands down so i'm in heaven right now when i was listening to your episode last week Mm -hmm. and you were doing the quote challenge i was screaming the answers before you even gave the choices oh my god (laughs) yes that's impressive that's impressive Mm -hmm. because honestly robbie our guest he also was doing the same i was like girl wait let me say the question first (laughs) and then we'll go on to it i was like oh man you know a scream (laughs) fan from all the way yeah 
it's, that's why I let her go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, Scream is is in my top ten franchises. I haven't done my top ten in a minute, so it might be top five, but I really don't know. So don't. I know you girls like to tussle. Don't try to come at me. But <laughs> clearly, in my background, you can see like he he's somewhere over there, uh-huh. right there. So you know. He's somewhere back here. Mm-hmm. I can see him. Um, I know. So he's right there. beside left eye. <laughs> oh yeah, right up. Oh yeah, right over there. <laughs> but here's the thing: I'm a Wes Craven fan, so almost anything that man does, I'm gonna support it regardless. I'm gonna mm-hmm. stand beside him. But the thing with Scream, it's just such a smart movie, and I love a movie that you can rewatch and find new things every single time. Hence, why we like Final Destination. Mm-hmm. But um, Scream, even the mm-hmm, I got something to say about this one, and somebody ain't gonna like it, but it's okay. Um, the first one, I can rewatch that one and find new things. Just about. I'll leave it there. <gasps> I think we're gonna get into it. Later. Oh my god! I need to get into <laughs> it. Oh my god! See, I really, uh, yeah. I think the first one is has so much rewatchability. I can just mm-hmm. put that on and still have fun. Still have fun with it, you know. So I really can watch that over and over again. Um, obviously, we'll get into Scream Two. We'll talk about Scream Two. But what are your thoughts? What are your predictions on the new Scream? coming out next month Um, i'm asking every guest who comes on the pod every week i want you i want to know a spoiler alert if anybody hasn't seen any of the movies or just doesn't want to hear any talk about scream but let's talk about it Uh oh so i have not and ashley has not seen any trailers um so you're so good you're so I, i couldn't resist yeah, we haven't seen the trailer, and I refuse to see the trailer. Someone sent me the trailer the other day, and I said, oh, thank you, but no thank you. Um, we got a no trailer policy. Yeah, I mm-hmm. want to go into it fresh, because I get so upset after we watch a movie, mm-hmm. and I go back and look at the trailer, and the trailer just didn't told every daggone thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I hate that too. Especially I, I lately. Wanna, yeah, I want to yeah. go into it blind. Now... For some reason, I feel like one of the three is going to die. I don't know which one, but I really think it's going to be Sydney. You think they would? You think they I would? I think they would. I think they would. Mm-mm. I don't, I don't want it to happen. I think they would. This is an exclusive because, see, now you're getting <laughs> me to talk about this. And you know I don't want to yes. talk about it. So the horror yeah. bandwagon so the thing listeners the- are getting an exclusive. I'm opening my mouth now. <laughs> it's not going to be Sydney because if they, but they could though, because you know, Scream. Nobody would expect so if they kill Sydney, that. that's like them killing Lori in Halloween. And exactly. it's just going to be for It would be blasphemy. It's going to be nothing. Riots. I can't. We're riots. <laughs> we are going to fuck that theater up, okay? Now I'm not I'm not gonna say that I wouldn't be heartbroken, but it would be unexpected. Like I would expect them to kill Gail. I would expect them to kill Dewey because nobody wants Sydney to die. Dewey done got killed like twenty thousand times. Exactly. Already. We're kind of used that's to it by now. We're desensitized. We're just so not. that's what I mean. I feel like it would be Sydney, and everybody would be shitting bricks. 
I feel like that would just be a redo of Lori getting killed in that Halloween movie that she was like, just kill me because y'all doing this shit again. Oh, yeah. Please she was like, pay me, me and then kill me, please. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel, feel like, like it's going to be like that. See, I would feel like they would wrap it up neatly, though. I don't think that it would be like that. But how how would just... they wrap it up neatly? Right. I don't know. I don't know. That's See, that's what, for, that's what that's what, what the masterminds are for. I'm just a <laughs> consumer. They would know how to sell it to me. Do you think it would be really interesting if that was the direction they go, though? Because I feel like Sydney, unlike uh, unlike really even Laurie to a certain extent, um, is so central to Scream. I don't know how you would make a Scream. She's sex. she's one of the main faces of Scream. Yeah, you would have to. And I don't think I can see if they were planning because I heard they were planning for more movies possibly after this. Um, I don't see Sydney dying and then us being able to move on to another scream and be like, well, Sydney Prescott is not here anymore. But they need to close her story somehow. But I'm saying if they close it nicely, like her death does, even though it may be traumatic, it Uh could still be a nice closing chapter. Not all death is bad death. No, it's true. The only way that I can see it happening is if she <laughs> sacrifices herself for something. Because I don't see a ghost face killer killing Sydney. She survived most of these movies. I'm with you. I'm with you. I know. Because I'm like, well, why are you trying to make see. that happen, Johnny? I'm not trying to make that happen. I'm not trying to make much happen. If it doesn't happen, I will be extremely happy. And if it does happen, I will still be sad. But then I just would like to see how they make it happen. I think I think they did it. I think it's them. It's them three. <gasps> they got bored and they was like, we gonna do it. It's them. It's I always mean, somebody people, you know. That's people. the tagline. That's the tagline. It's always somebody you know. Who do we know? We know them three. <laughs> Oh, oh, that is so true. And hurt people hurt people. So might as well. Gail need a new book. Sydney probably needs some more money so she can go be anonymous somewhere. Like (laughs) All right, guys. So before we go into our bloody appetizers, which is about the movie, I'm gonna do a speed round for you guys. And it's gonna be mainly you two, because I feel like you guys have more horror knowledge than my sweetheart here. I'm so sorry. We're going to send this this one out. This is general horror knowledge. Well, let's say so these are since, you know, we're having some hot takes today. uh, I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to put two sequels up against each other and I want you to tell me which one you would choose and why. Okay. Number one, round one. I don't know a name for this. Um, Sequel verse off. That is the laziest title that I've ever come up with. Uh, <laughs> guys, this is sequel verse off. All right. First up, Halloween 2 versus Child's Play 2. Go. How did I know you was... I knew it was going to be Child's Play 2. I just knew it was going to be somebody in that one. Now, let's be clear. Child's Play 2 is always going to be that girl. Will forever be that girl. And that's who we're picking. You know, it's been so long since I've seen both. I couldn't even give you an accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Which one in your heart? In your heart, do you oh, feel it is? I gotta go with Mike. Oh. I gotta go with Mike. Oh, she's speaking Halloween <gasps> too. <gasps> oh. Spicy. Oh my god. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> there we go. It was that divided. Was that was real slasherist of you. Slasher. Wow. <laughs> 
ready. Okay, second up. Final Destination 2 versus Candyman 2. Oh, it's Final Destination 2. I'm going to go with, yeah. I don't like Candyman 2. I didn't even see Sugar Man 2. Sugar Man 2. Be now, question. Too. This is a a, a side like side question, bonus question here. If you were to rank Final Decision One with its sequel, which one goes first? It's mm. okay. See, the thing about two is, let's just be real. The only thing we scared of is the logs. It's that log. Mm-hmm. Because everything else, everything else, I feel like that could be avoided. Car accidents and pileups, yes, that's scary, especially if you're in the DMV. I feel bad for you. I'm here too, and I hate it. But um, it's one. It's definitely one. Because one is just like, at you go in the airport and you just automatically like, bro. It's true. It's oh, true. I'm not dealing with this. Yeah. So yeah. Now, if you would have brought some other sequels from the Final Destination franchise, we could have tussled a little bit. But between one and two, it's one. I'm going to go with two. Okay. Lock it in. The answer has been locked. It's number two. <laughs> and right. for me, it's like I don't have issues with planes. All of my fears come with cars. Okay. And with the accidents and near accidents that I've been in. I mean, that pileup scene in the second one is pretty, like, intense. Yeah. It is. That is a standout. And also, like, a standout. I feel like in pop culture, like everyone remembers that. On top of the first one too, but oh yeah, mm-hmm. well I, I I know the log scene. I'm scared of the, of the 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 trucks with logs, and I don't even think I've seen Final. Destination. I don't think you've have seen Final Destination too. Yep, nope. We're yeah, gonna have to cover those. Yes. Oh my goodness, I can't wait to hear what you think because <laughs> it's a ride, baby. It's a ride. Okay. You know the amount of times that Coda's gonna be like, that's not realistic. <laughs> I swear oh, yeah, to God. Okay, you know what? <laughs> because I'm the type of person that can be honest. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to Final Destination, I like it. I like to call it the land of the breadstick and jelly people because, you know, it's okay. It's okay. I can, it's showing my movies that I like. It's all right. It's, and it's, sometimes the physics don't physic. Yeah, but you like, know, sometimes the universe is just out to get you. And that's and that's, that's what it is. It's make it happen, yeah. And that's the only way we can explain it. Like, yeah, I mean, of course your body wouldn't bend that way. Of course your head wouldn't smash like that. But you know what? The universe was upset. And it did. It today, was your time. So. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Next up, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two versus Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two. <gasps> Freddy. Oh, yes. Freddy. Because here's the thing, and I'm not going to make this long. I tell everybody <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is not a Freddy movie. It's a possession movie. That's all you got to do is just look at it like a possession movie and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. I love it. I did not like Friday the 13th Part 2. I did not. Um, opening scene is so long. I'm like, why am I following this girl in this kitchen like this? Like, dang, it ain't even that nice. <laughs> and then I got mad because she ended up being dead. I'm like, what was the point of it? Sorry if I said right. that for you, I'm sorry. But, oh, yeah, wow. Sorry. No, um, no. <laughs> I would have to go with Friday because part two of Friday the 13th, it, would, it didn't make sense. All right. Aliens versus Evil Dead 2. We're just going to jump to Evil Dead 2 because I don't even mess with the aliens. No, like, mm. do not like the franchise? 
So I've seen the first movie and I was like, that's all I need to know because me and space, you know, that's all I just, mm -mm, me and space, there's a, yeah, there's a movie called Life with Jake Gyllenhaal. That movie (gasps) effed me up. I saw that. You have seen it the way it ends. Mm -hmm. And I was scared of space before that. But then somebody thought it was a good idea to let me watch that movie. And I was like, see, no, now we're never going back. We will, You will never see Destination 180 ever do a space thing. And I'm lying. But whenever we do, I'm going to let John A do all of those movies. I'm not talking. I'm not saying nothing. Mm-mm. Um, I remember seeing the first Alien but this is many moons ago, and it was probably something that my mama made me watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to have to go with. Wait, what was the other movie? Aliens versus Evil Dead Two. Evil Dead Two. I haven't seen Evil Dead Two. I've seen Evil. De- wait, I didn't even see the original Evil Dead. You haven't. I'm like you haven't seen any. <laughs> <laughs> but good answer. Good yeah. answer. I've seen the. the and I don't think you're not gonna like that either. I don't think you're gonna like that either because it's funny. And you know how you are. You only like you. You got a low tolerance for nuts. <laughs> yeah. And that is a nutty movie. It's nutty. That's a nutty movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. So, Creep Two versus The Strangers Two: Pray at Night. Creep Two. Oh, right. I want to put Creep. But that creep scene of The Strangers was awesome. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm going. I'm going with Creep Two. But I do. I want to go with Creep Two too. But I just had to tell everybody that that scene was freaking <laughs> out. Creep Two. Okay, perfect. Lock it in. Creep Two wins yeah. that round, and then we're going to finish it off with Paranormal Activity Two versus VHS Two. That's not fair. Well, <laughs> well. Wait, did I watch VHS Two? Girl, we covered it on the podcast. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I chose this for a reason. <laughs> oh, it was the one well, with the zombies in Maryland and them kids getting the aliens. See, that's why I don't fuck with aliens. Oh, no, that was weird. Uh, then I'm going with Paranormal Activity too. This is hard because VH, VHS2 is the best one out of the whole franchise. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Paranormal I really Activity, like I love Yeah, you girl. That girl. Which paranormal activity was when she got y- yanked down the steps, and that was hilarious. That's the. This is two. Yeah, yeah that's two. Then, then two. Don't worry, we we laughed at that part too. We yeah. were like, mm. I was dying laughing when I saw. I know I'm pulling time. the Libra card. I'm pulling the Libra card. I gotta pick both. I can't. I can't. I can't choose. All right, that is okay. We'll break the rules for you we are going to pick both you guys have survived i forgot the name of the title sequel shakedown that's what i'm calling it now sequel (laughs) shakedown you guys survived it all right we are gonna go ahead and take a quick little break go get yourself a shot go get yourself some coffee and then after the break we'll be right back with our bloody appetizers Welcome back, ghouls. It is now time for our Bloody Appetizers. 
segment. And this is a segment where we give you a few little tidbits behind the scenes action and just how this movie came to be. Yes, that is right. So Scream 2 from 1997. It was released on December 12th, 1997. Budget of $24 million. The opening weekend was $32 million and it grossed around $172.4 million at the box office. That's not bad. They definitely got a lot more money at the beginning than the first one. Because the first one, when it opened, it, came, it got like $6 million, barely even made a profit the first week, and then over time got a lot of more money. It was written by Kevin Williamson, who is known for uh, Scream 4, I put two here, but The Vampire Diaries, The Following, Curse, Teaching Mrs. Tingle, I Know What You Did Last Summer, The Faculty, Dawson's Creek. I've never seen Dawson's Creek but I heard a lot of people love Dawson's Creek, and he is also executive producer for Scream Five. Did you watch any any of those from Kevin Williamson? Yes, The Vampire <laughs> Diaries for one. I know Ashley was getting on me at the beginning of the year because I had got bored in my streaming life, mm-hmm. and I watched the originals and I started the legacies. But I'm like, you know what? I've never seen The Vampire Diaries. Let me go back and start it from the beginning. And I literally spent a good two months watching The Vampire Diaries. Um, they have my two months mom- worth of Vampire Diaries? It's eight seasons. Yeah, they have so many. It's funny because I also watched the originals, and then I watched the first season of Legacies, and I never made the jump to go back and watch Vampire Diaries. <laughs> I had to make the jump because I was confused as to what Legacy Child some of them were. So I was like, what, what is that? Uh, yeah, Wait, just- it's all connected? Oh yes, yeah, they're all connected. Kevin so the Williams vampire at work. Yeah, the Vampire Diaries came out first, then the originals came, and then it was Legacies. Yeah, I just like googled who are these people because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I gotta know, but I don't, I don't have the kind of time to go back and watch all this stuff. That's now me. for um, Dawson's Creek. I was introduced to Dawson's Creek by my mom. So that was one of her shows when I was a child. Really? Yes. And so she'd be doing my hair and I'd be sitting there watching Dawson's Creek with her. And so now every time I hear the theme song, I almost burst into tears because that's my jam. It was directed by the one, the only, Wes Craven. He is horror, in my opinion. Oh, my God. Like, legend. That is the godfather of horror, and I don't hear it. Oh, no, no, no. I think, no, I think his title is the horror maestro. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta look it up. I can't remember, but no, I'm a, I'm a step about him, okay? I don't mm. even think I broke John Nate in yet on Wes Craven. <laughs> Girl, you don't hate me. I just love everything that man do. I love it. I miss him. So uh, this cast has David Arquette as Dewey Riley, Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott, Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Cece Cooper, uh, Jamie Kennedy as Randy Meeks, Laurie Metcalf as Debbie Salt or Mrs. Loomis. What if no one's seen it yet? Hold up. Maybe Mrs. (laughs) Loomis. (laughs) Uh, Elise Neal. As Hallie McDaniel, uh, Jerry O'Connell as Derek Feldman, Timothy Oliphant as Mickey Altieri, 
Jada Pinkett as Maureen Evans, uh, Leif Schreiber as Cotton Weary, Louis Arquette as Chief Hartley, Rebecca Gayhart as sorority sister Lois, Portia de Rossi as sorority sister Murphy, Omar Epps as Phil Stevens, Tori Spelling as herself uh, playing Sydney Prescott in Stab, Luke Wilson as Billy Loomis uh, in Stab, Heather Graham as Casey Becker in Stab, and Roger L. Jackson as the voice of Ghostface. Yes, that is our our iconic cast for for this movie. What did like did you guys going into this movie were you familiar besides like the first three like when you first saw it um uh, scream 2 were you familiar with any of these faces? It was one of those things where this one came out in 97 so I was only 5. <laughs> so I don't know who these people are. <laughs> but as I got older and rewatching the movie and I know some of y'all going to be like but hold up didn't you just say you don't like rewatching this movie hold your horses cuz that's not the point. Um what I was saying is when I got older upon those rewatches I'm like oh that's Portia. Oh that's Rebecca Gayhart. Oh I didn't even realize that was her. Oh homeboy up in here i did not know that was him oh yeah but you know just like that i think the first time i saw this i want to say i was either in middle school or high school so i know besides the the main three the only person that i recognized was sarah sarah michelle geller because um Mm -hmm. buffy the vampire slayer and angel was staples in my house Mm -hmm. um and then i recognized jada of course and then i want to say i recognized omar but I'm not. I think those sure. were the only two. I like knew who they yeah. were, but obviously we would know who they were. <laughs> Besides just them and Buffy, I feel like those were the only ones that I was like, yeah, I know them. So while writing the script for Scream, Williamson also developed two, page, two five-page treatments for potential sequels. Following the release of Scream, Williamson would confirm that he had considered a sequel concept where the character of Sidney Prescott would now be attending college and a copycat ghost face killer would now start a new series of murders. Dimension Films agreed to pursue the sequel in March 1997, by which point Williamson already had 42 pages of the plot developed, which involved four different killers. Derek, Hallie, do we, I always forget, is it Hallie or Haley? I think it's Hallie. Hallie, right? Okay, I wasn't pronouncing Mm -hmm. it wrong. So Cotton Weary and Mrs. Loomis, who is the mother of one of the previous film's killers. By July 1997, film began on screen two, but after Williamson transferred his script to the production, it was leaked onto the internet in full, revealing the identity of the killers and a large amount of the involved plot. This resulted in the production continuing to film with only a partial script while Williamson conducted extensive rewrites, changing much of the film's finale. The identities of the film's killers and drastically altering the roles of other characters such as Randy Meeks and Joel. I didn't even know that the internet could do that at that time. I don't know. Listen, it was ruthless. They said after we did this one, we ain't giving y'all nothing. But here's my thing. Here's my thing. Because you said that, because the internet was still kind of baby. I feel like this is still the point where your mama had to tell you, get off the internet because I'm trying to use the phone. Thanks. So this, well, I mean, okay, because the first movie, that script got leaked too, right? I, I, I'm not this the first sure, one actually. That got I think this is the first one because the okay. next thing that we'll talk about is what they had to do, which is now kind of like right. infamous with what Scream is about. Because I'm just like, how you know that your script was going to get leaked? So you just started writing multiple. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. I just want to know, Kevin. I'm just asking. I'm not. I'm not trying to jump you. We're gonna tweet at I'm you. Asking. 
Right. Come outside. We're not going to jump you. I just want to know. So uh, to avoid another such incident and prevent sensitive plot details from being revealed through other means, the actors were not given the last pages of the script until weeks before shooting, and the pages that reveal the killer's identity were only provided on the day the scene was shot to the actors involved. The short production schedule in Scream 2 and his work on other projects meant that Williamson's final script use for the film was detailed in some areas but lacking in others, with Wes Craven forced to write and develop certain scenes as they were being filmed. The incident was the first in which a film was significantly affected by an internet leak. In 2017, Williamson claimed the leaked script was a dummy draft that was crafted specifically to avoid leaked details. Williamson claimed there were three dummy endings written. They were worried the killer's identity would be leaked, so we wrote several endings, three in all, if memory serves. And when actors and potential crew members asked to read the script, we would send the script with the dummy ending. There was even a fake ending where Dewey was the killer. They existed as a decoy and nothing more. Extreme measures. Extreme measures, but we really wanted to keep the killer's identity a secret. I will say that is correct. I mean, I feel like if it was leaked... You had a certain amount of time to just come up with all of this. So it does sound kind of fishy. Right. That's why I'm like, just how did you know? Like, how, mm. <laughs> oh, no, Kevin. I just want to know, Kevin. Just give me a straight answer. I want some copies. Sell those on eBay. It seems like I want to yeah, see these. You don't even have to show me the whole thing. Just show me the page <laughs> number and just show me they all different so we can verify. I'm just curious how you knew to do this. Yeah. I mean, good on you. So various titles were considered for the sequel at different points in the film's production, including Scream Again, Scream Louder, and Scream the Sequel before the studio decided to just simply use Scream 2. I think that was the I'm right move. Yeah, because those are terrible. I, uh, scream louder would have been a. a I love scream louder. Scream no. louder. Can, I don't can like you it. honestly? Can you honestly look at this poster right here on this screen and uh -huh. see scream louder? No, no, no way! I no. can't do it. I can't scream again. Scream. No. <laughs> scream the scream. second chapter. Um, again. No. Oh. Mm -mm. Just two. Just two. Just say, well, now it's just Scream for Scream 5 or whatever And that is. annoys me because why is it like, okay, so we had Scream 1, we had Scream 2, um, was, yeah, we just Scream 3, and then we had Scraform, we had that, and I feel like we should have like, yeah, we should have like Scream. I don't know how to pronounce it, but there it is. That's what it should have been. The S should have been the 5, but I think that just might be five the millennial show. Yeah. <laughs> So, eager to avoid the same experience on Scream 2, Craven attempted to manipulate the MPAA by sending them a version of the film that had been edited to focus on and enhance the gore and violence, present beyond what they actually wanted in the film, including reusing a clip of Omar Epps' character being stabbed in the ear three times, instead of only once as seen in the final film, and an extended scene of Randy Meeks that showed his throat slashed. Craven's reasoning was that the parts of the film they wished to keep would be more acceptable when viewed with the enhanced violence, and so the MPAA would force them to remove footage they already did not want to keep while passing the content they did want. However, the MPAA granted Scream 2 an R rating for the more violent cut, as they believed the underlying message of the film was significant enough to warrant the violence. See, this is like corporatism at its best. Like I, how many meetings have I gone into where I'm like, all right, I'm a like, 
I'm gonna really oversell this thing so that when they cut it back, I'm gonna still have what I want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And then you walk in and they're like, yeah, just go for it. Whole thing. Sneaky craven. That's why I said he was just a special one. But here's the thing. He ended up just using that regular cut and not the more violent one. And I'm like, what? T- Sir. Re- release the director's cut. Release the director's right. cut. You're the same man that put on Last House on the Left. Are you for, kidding me? Yo, why would for you real. hold that back from me? Yes. I'm like, why would you hold that back from me, Wes? He got okay. scarred. I he was like, MPA didn't want me to make the movie before. So he was like, okay. But yeah, you're right. That's, can you the, imagine? That footage is out there somewhere. It is. And can you imagine the MPAA? They probably got to take, they was like, this dude, oh my God. <laughs> just pass it. Don't even watch. Just pass it. Imagine they're just like, no, it's fine. He's going to bother us still. No, so we, just, he's going to keep yeah, making movies. Just, do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just let him do it. <laughs> so originally scheduled to open alongside T- Tomorrow Never Dies 1997 and Titanic 19, number, 1997, both blockbusters shifted their dates so as not to be pitted against this movie. I like it. Cannot imagine no now like knowing how successful Titanic ended up being, like that they're like oh we can't like we don't want to compete with Scream too, we'll just like change our date. That's crazy. A horror movie, <laughs> that's crazy because you know how everybody does horror movies. They just oh it's a horror movie. Oh okay. Yeah. But then oh, they had them shook <laughs> as they should. But then also yeah, think about it. It's like mm, Titanic is sad. I mean, we didn't know that yet. I mean, okay, well, well I guess in real well, life. Well, yeah, because we know people yeah. died. <laughs> right. In real so life, we knew like... that. We didn't know what the movie was going to be yet, for real. For right. Real. So it's like, okay, a movie about people who died in real life or people who fake died. True. And go with fake died. True. So uh, some other fun facts. Rebecca Gayhart had auditioned for the role of Tatum Riley in Scream and auditioned multiple times for the roles of Cece Cooper, Hallie, and Maureen Evans before obtaining her eventual role. Um, the Omega Beta I, Zeta. Wait, just one thing about that. Like, girl. <laughs> I, like, girl. I, but she ended up landing this role. I'm like, all right. I, they must. She must have pulled some strings to, for her to get, like, the lead in Urban Legend. But, I mean, at the same time. Yeah, and that's what I was I was like, they was like, y'all don't give this girl something. So she's like, stop coming over here. Right. I was like, just give her something. And then they did. But even then, I I mean, if I auditioned for this role so many times and they were like, you're going to be a sorority girl, number one. And I'm like, I guess I'll say yes. But in retrospect, I mean, like, after two auditions max, but if you give me all these different mm-hmm. auditions. You're like, girl, we're just going to go with the next person. It's okay. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll get there someday. That's what it was. The uh, the Omega Beta Zeta sorority house is the same that was used as Miss Trunchbull's mansion in Matilda in 1996. Get I out. I did not know that. That's the one where like that. she was going through the house and Trunchbull was like working out or whatever and was chasing after them. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar did a few of her stunts on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but when director Wes Craven told her she was going to be thrown off a three-story balcony, she was hesitant at first, but ended up doing it. And then uh, in a in a 2018 interview, Jada Pinkett Smith revealed that she was determined to make her on-screen death one for the record books. She said... I remember saying to the director at the time, I want to die the most horrific death that has ever happened in a horror film. Uh, I want it to be long and excruciating. 
And he's like, cool. That sounds like something that Wes was saying. Yeah. That sounds like something Wes said. <laughs> okay, cool. I do want to go back to the Sarah Michelle Geller uh, thing because I do like when thinking about it, where she did her own stunts and she was hesitant about being, you know, like thrown off this uh, three story building. Looking back on it, it does look realistic. Mm-hmm. Like it you does, really do, it's like not see, like switching to a man. <laughs> yeah, you see her being picked up, like like manhandled and thrown mm-hmm. off, and I'm like, wow, that means she must have like fallen from there onto like some sort of bean mattress bag or, something. or something. Yeah, yeah, which is scary on its own. I can't imagine. I'm afraid of heights, so yeah. that's a no for me. It depends. It depends because I'll do some crazy stuff. Like we went to Vegas and I really did want to jump off the stratosphere. But I feel like once I get up there, I'm going to be like, all right, this is all I need. I don't need to jump off. I just need to come up here. Did I ever tell you about the time when I jumped off and how I couldn't bring myself to jump off? I don't think so. So it came time to jump off, and you literally kind of just like stand there. It's just that <sighs> night. Yeah, you're standing on, on the platform. Time. It's like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're standing. You're standing on the platform. platform. And the thing is, you have to jump off yourself. They don't push you off. They don't like push that. you. Wait, can you, you can ask to be pushed? Off? <laughs> they're staying back. They just looking at you. They're like, <laughs> like, you got this. You can. <laughs> So they're all yeah. looking at me like, what are you doing? You're going to go. And I'm hooked up to the machines and stuff. And I'm just like, my body just couldn't physically force myself to jump off. So you know how like you're, the water's cold and you kind of like dip into the pool. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I kind of just like dipped off the edge like I was dipping off the pool and I just fell. And how did it feel? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> she can't. She can't. <laughs> She's she's overly emotional. She's, she's <laughs> it's just getting to her. Um, so the first three seconds, you have that feeling of falling. Mm-hmm. But then I, after that feeling went away, I was like, "Oh, this is nice. Oh, look at all the lights. <laughs> oh wow, dang, I'm falling pretty fast." <sighs> Wait, I'm do not it. done falling yet. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't. After a oh while, I got, it was it was either eight hundred feet or six hundred feet. I want to say it's eight hundred feet, but it was a long way up. Mm-hmm. So, and then at the end, there's like a little target on the ground, and it kind of slows you down like a roller coaster. So, like you know, when a roller coaster slows down, it goes, that's exactly how it sounds as you get closer to the ground. It makes that sound. It slows you down, and then you have to like brace for impact and kind yeah. of like bend your knees or whatever. I fell, but the ground was off. Damn, you're badass. <laughs> I cannot. Like, I will freak out and throw up and cry. <laughs> yeah, I can do it, it the was... slingshot. I can do the now, slingshot. I that too. Throw you in the air. I'm not jumping. Girl, I listen. We went to Six Flags. And we rode the Ferris wheel because I thought it was the least uh, crazy height thing. I was frozen in the seat. Mm-hmm. Cody wanted to be romantic and be like, sit next to me. I'm like, I cannot move. Do not move. <laughs> do not. I am not. I literally can't do it. Nope. He loves roller coasters. He loves yeah. all that. I oh, can't I love do the rollies. The ro- I'm just not doing that. that. I'll do everything else. I'm just not doing that. Yeah. See, he's we, talking about. Sergio couldn't even really like. That. 
<laughs> Sujiro like couldn't couldn't even do Tower of Terror because he like really really hates heights. When we went down, to and it's in your face. It's like telling you like, look, this is where you're falling, and people are screaming. I'm like, I'm good. I think I'm good. I like my feet on the ground. <laughs> the like, first and only time I did the Tower of Terror, I want to say I was like seven or eight. And my parents took me down t- to Orlando for my birthday. And I'm so tiny at the time. Mm-hmm. At the time, they didn't have the individual strap-ins. It was just one long bar that went across. Oh, no. So as you're falling, my ass is tiny. I flew out and almost hit the little cage ceiling. They had to literally hold me down every time we dropped. Oh, my God. As a parent, I would freak out. I would be like, no, please. (laughs) My mom was freaking out. (laughs) All right, guys. We're going to go ahead and take another break. And when we come back, we're going to go into our meats and potatoes. We're going to talk about the movie. Mm -hmm. That is Scream 2. So stay tuned. Welcome back, ghouls. It is now time for our Meats and Potatoes segment. And this is the segment where we actually go into the movie itself. Yes. So, Scream 2 from 1997. Winter College seniors Maureen Evans and Phil Stevens attend a sneak preview of Stab, a film based on the events of the Woodsboro Massacre. As they go into the theater, Maureen expresses that she hates scary movies and rather go see a Sandra Bullock movie, a movie that costs only $7.50, by the way, at that time. Phil tells Maureen that the movie tickets were for free and rather not go see Sandra Bullock unless she's naked. While online, they discuss the idea of horror movies. Phil thinks it's good to be scared. It's primal. Maureen clarifies it more to, it's a dumbass white movie about some dumbass white girls getting their white asses cut the fuck up. But then, also spitting some facts about the horror genre. Maureen tells us that the horror genre is known for excluding the African-American element. Phil debunks her by stating, when the hell did you get your PhD in black cinema? Maureen spit straight facts, okay? (laughs) Yes. She did, but... Well, first of all, every time I see this opening scene, I feel like I'm supposed to be going to bed because for some reason I feel like when I first watched this, I must have been with my older sisters and I was supposed to be in the bed. But (laughs) that's neither here. So every time I just see the theater, I'm just like, dang, I'm supposed to be asleep right now. But anyway, (laughs) um, (laughs) to Johnny's point, yeah, but also I feel like she's kind of like the movie critic that ain't seen the movie and probably ain't seen the horror movie and just talking like off the tropes that she knows. But I think that might be the point. But there is, there's a little bit of truth mm-hmm. to it though. It is. No, there is truth. Yeah. She's not lying. No, <laughs> she's not lying at all. But as we see, you know, and we'll get into it a little bit later throughout the rest of the scene when she's watching the movie and she's starting to really get into it. Mm-hmm. She's um, singing a little bit of a different tune than she yeah. was when she first walked in here. True. So. She starts to get more into it, more relaxed and enjoying her mm-hmm. ride as a horror viewer mm-hmm. instead of judging and it and being like. People, 
Right. And just like you said, think of those people who judge it and didn't even watch the movie. They probably yeah. watched like a kill count cinema scenes or something. <laughs> I feel very attacked I right know. now. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. When, when, whenever we're in a rush. So we actually told this to the Carpenter Queens, la- la- I think two weeks ago, because we did Black Xmas from 2006. And he's never seen the original Black Christmas. So we were like, girl, we're going to put on the kill count. It's late. We're just going to watch it and catch yourself up. <laughs> it, it also used to be what we did. No, I if I was like, it. if I was like too scared to watch the movie, I was like, this looks too scary. Oh, yeah. We watched the kill count. So I like, I at least like know all the like. All the, all the big stuff. I'm a huge fan of the Kill Count. Cinema Sins, they troll a lot because half the time stuff that they point out isn't even facts. They just talking. Jerry just be saying whatever the fuck. But um, <laughs> Kill Count and then explain to everybody else, I do rock with them. And I definitely lean to them for research for our show. Too. Research. Yeah, yes. exactly. They provide a lot of good mm-hmm. stuff there. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, mm-hmm. so far, I'm enjoying these first uh, two characters. We aren't introduced to the iconic uh, element of the Scream franchise, which is the phone call. So it's something, I mean, so far we're starting big. It's a big premiere. For some reason, they rented out this huge animatronic with like, they don't even know if this movie's going to work out. They literally rented this whole thing. They have people passing out costumes. Like, that's a little much for a movie that they just, like, made and it's only one entry (laughs) yeah for one entry yes but i do have to say and i've said this a few times i worked for a radio station and part of my job as a promotions coordinator was we did host the uh movie theater screenings Mm -hmm. the wildest one i ever had we had strippers it was for (gasps) 50 shades of gray and we had strippers like in the front of the theaters and it was two poles on each side. I ain't never oh. seen a theater jumping like this. Oh. There are people in this theater just running amok with these men. I just now, never seen I could, it. I could see look. that from Magic Mike. But for Fifty Shades of Grey. But were there strippers in Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> no. No, I didn't book it. I was just supposed to be That's there. That's why the I This is why my face is so confused because I'm like. Oh my god! I mean, that. they looked really nice. The, the the event was really nice, and the movie <laughs> goers were pleased. And that my job was done. I got there my check. There you go. So everybody <laughs> went home with a smile on their face. Apparently, right? Yeah, they sure did. <laughs> and it wasn't like the girl. Like they okay. Let me not say strippers. Like they weren't strippers. They were just pole dancers. Let me just say that. There we go. Professional really pole dancers. Cute. They were really cute. Yeah, they were really cute. Little black leather. It was like real, you know, BDSM. Oh, okay. So the BDSM part, yes, that makes sense. But the pole dancing, that doesn't make sense. Let them people live. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, whoever did the marketing for that, I know it wasn't you, but whoever whoever did the marketing for that did not think that through. And it's funny that you say that, AJ, because the first thing I wrote down is I'm like, it, it are like, are like launch parties for movies really like this? And apparently the answer is yes sometimes, but I, I, I just like, I can't imagine like that it's getting this crazy as See, it's shown. In the I'm not a, crazy. I'm not opposed to like a lively theater. Like if everyone's reacting mm-hmm. at the same time, like, oh, what? Like, I feel I feel the energy. Right. This is great. But like this is a little much. I would be annoyed. No, I was like, nobody touch me, please. Like I like, 
Because they running around with these glow sticks, these glow knives, stabbing <laughs> each other. They just doing it. It's a, it's a ghost face just in the cut, swinging through the air. That would make me Wait, mad. yes. What, what was that? I have no clue. <laughs> I was thinking no, the same. No, what was the man? The man that was standing in the corner that, like, moved the shade off the light. He, man, he was so happy he did his job. That smile on his I face. I would hate. Yeah. They're going to love this light. And he <laughs> did. <laughs> It's so funny. Though I'm wondering if, like, I don't know if it's trying to tell something about, I mean, maybe I'm getting too into it, but maybe it's trying to tell us about the youth and what we see as horror movie, but even though this horror movie is technically based on true events, like, is it trying to say something that we're just like wild beasts? <laughs> we're getting entertainment off of other people's trauma. Yeah. Be, probably. Probably. (laughs) Kind of, because, like, by the end of this segment, everybody shuts off once a real traumatic event happens in their faces. All these people are traumatized for the rest of their life. Like, Mm -hmm. let's hear their stories. That's why I'm going to write a book based on every single person in this movie theater. (laughs) That's what Gail should have did. She wouldn't have been in this problem that she's in now, but... This uh, this whole uh, what I like about this first scene with like the movie within a movie, um, I feel like uh, for me it's funny. It doesn't look scary at all. If I were to watch Stab the movie, it looks like it's making fun of what happened to Casey Becker in the first movie. Mm-hmm. It does. It like the whole character. I don't even know you, and I don't like you. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is that? Because <laughs> even when Ghostface, when he popped his little head up in that sunroof, I was out. That <laughs> took me out. Because what? How did you even get up there, my guy? Like, why? what are you doing? Yeah, that's doing a lot. <laughs> that's doing a lot for this It was movie. doing so much. So much. So Phil expresses that he has a stiff one, with Maureen immediately telling him to loosen up that wrist. The phone rings. Our blonde friend answers and says hello and wants to know who it is. The man says, were you expecting somebody? She replied, no. Maureen screams at the movie, bitch, hang the phone up and star 69 his ass down and gets shushed. Now, I'll say this. All of you were just super loud in this fucking theater. Yeah. Exactly. Why can't she say something? Like, the minute that she said something, everyone's like, shut the fuck up. Like, are, do you not see and that we're all... The thing is, they were still loud. Y'all were still loud. <laughs> yeah. So what... It, y'all were still running amok, amok, amok in the hallways and now, in the theater. Also, <laughs> granted, if it is a quiet theater and somebody's, like, loudly on the phone or something, I will... I would be like, oh, come on. <laughs> but... This is not the. This is obviously like she could have said something and be fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is me at home, though. I, I. This is this is definitely me at home. I am making all the comments. Mm-hmm. So Maureen then asks Phil for his money to go get popcorn, stating, "I got my money. I asked for your money." Phil gives in and hands over the dough. As she heads over to the concession stand, we get a quick jump scare that scares Maureen at first. It's just a bunch of people yelling. We hear us. We hear snippet or, or rendition of Sydney's theme. Come on, as Maureen overhears that the movie that they are watching actually happened in real life and real murders took place. Uh, so Phil suddenly comes out of the employees-only room to scare Maureen uh, while she's on her way back with all the all the popcorn. This is totally something you would do. And what 
Oh, scare you? Yeah, while yeah. I'm carrying popcorn and just throw it all over the floor. Yeah. So he jumps out in a ghost face mask, but she asks him to stop playing. Uh, Phil then heads into the bathroom and sees that the urinals are all full. So uh, he awkwardly decides to use the stalls. But then he starts to hear some noises in the next stall over resembling uh, almost sounding like a little girl or maybe Norman Bates himself. Mm-hmm. Um, as Phil's curiosity grows stronger, he is then impaled through the stall by a knife through his ear. Uh, and then he bleeds to death. Over back in the movie theater itself, Maureen is slowly starting to like the movie and even starts responding to the fellow moviegoers. Then the killer wearing Phil's jacket comes and sits next to her, and she assumes the killer is her boyfriend wearing a mask. During the Casey Becker death scene, the crowd goes wild. During a scared moment, Maureen grabs onto Phil, only to pull her hands back and see that she has blood all over her hands. Now let's stop here and discuss this moment up to here. One, Phil's death. That's what he gets for being nosy. <laughs> I can't not think of scary movie though. <laughs> scary movie did kind of ruin Scream low key because it's just like, dang. Now I just be thinking of this. But I agree with you. But here's the thing. First of all, why you put your ear on that dirty bathroom stall? Oh my god, god we it. thought the same thing. That's what he get for being nosy and nasty. <laughs> but two. And um, I guess I'll just throw a little spoiler alert. But I mean, we're in the meats and potatoes. So if you ain't seen the movie, you know, yeah, exactly. I guess you just like listening to us. But <laughs> for me, when he first walks in the bathroom and he sees the two people dressed like Ghostface, I could mm-hmm. be pushing it. And Kevin, if you didn't mean to do this and I just said this, don't be trying to claim ideas now. <clears throat> I feel like that was our first hint to tell us that it was two killers. Because you see two people, like, they just both just turn around like, oh, okay, cool, whatever, I'm peeing. But then um. when he goes in the stall and he puts his ear on the stall, somebody that's in there is, um, they're actually quoting Black Christmas 1974 when oh, Billy is on the yes. phone. And he's like, oh. Billy, don't tell mommy what we did. But also when he said, Billy, don't tell mommy what we did, when you think about it, what's the killer's name in the first movie and who's the killer in this movie? Oh my god, that you literally just blew our minds right now. The whole movie in the first like five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, I I just want to know, Kevin, was that part of your plan too? Did you plan for that too? And I'm not taking it from you. You probably did, but (laughs) I seen it if you did. I saw it. I saw the vision. But I mean, uh, another thing is like, obviously. How can you get a knife through that through that stall? Yeah, this is the most perfect aim, death. precision, right? Like the amount of force, and uh, you have to be like correct. So we we cut back to the cinema. Uh, Jada Pinkett has just pulled her hands back and seen all this blood, and is like, "What is happening?" Uh, and at this point, the killer takes advantage of the wild crowd and stabs Maureen, um, and she gets up. She like. She she kind of staggers out into the into the row. Everyone now, even though they just shushed her for making noise, is like up and screaming and carrying on. And so it's just kind of lost in the commotion. And she just keeps getting stabbed and stabbed and stabbed. And everyone thinks that it's just like part of the part of the crowd playing along. But then she gets up in front of the whole uh, the whole audience and is covered in blood and the crowd finally realizing she's not faking. And then she dies. I just feel so bad because she thought it was Phil. Like she didn't know that that wasn't him. 
That is true. That's an aspect that people like forget is that during this whole time, she thinks Phil is killing her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And because like, think about it. Like he already done brought her to see this horror movie and she not into it. He done scared me earlier. Like she probably really thought he was on some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But also I could be reaching again. <laughs> I feel like um feel omar epps character i feel like he had on the same outfit that sydney kind of wears the brown jacket with the green shirt get up oh yeah yeah i was like no wait a minute but oh my goodness this whole opening scene is just so much because then that moment that the crowd realizes that this is not a drill this is real yeah and you just see people taking off their masks they're just stopping like her vision's getting hazy like nobody nobody can even do anything at that point and it's just so sad because stuff like that happens in real life sadly but no it's so it's so true also like i never realized how gruesome this scene actually was because every time there's like this one moment that got me this recent watching was when she's trying to escape and so like i guess i don't know like your mind must be rushing but you're not able to like call for help or anything but he like grabs her and like really digs in out and you could see it on her face how much it hurts and i'm like oh oh my god i cringe like at that mm-hmm. moment something in me was like yeah. this poor girl and it's kind of like he's messing with her kind of like letting her run off even though he can totally just keep doing it and i'm like oh my he god knows that nobody is gonna stop because everybody think they playing uh, this like turned like as a fun part of the movie to like really serious really fast so the title card goes on Scream 2. We wake up with Sydney Prescott, not with a cute bob. I think I like this haircut of hers. Mm-hmm. I like the little cute bob. She keeps it for the mm-hmm. third one, I think. Um, And then that's it. That, that's it with the bob. As she gets an anonymous phone call asking her what her favorite scary movie is, she answers by calling the caller with her caller ID, starting uh, that uh, stating that prank calls are a criminal offense. The caller immediately hangs up. With the movie out, Sydney was expecting this as her friend Hallie attempts to wake her up. As she turns on the TV, she sees an interview with of Cotton Weary explaining to, uh, explaining how he was wrong, wrongfully convicted for Maureen Prescott's murder. We also learned that Gail Weather had released a book about the Woodsboro murders that eventually became the movie Stab. We then cut to see what's up with Randy. Randy and Sydney both decide to go to Winter College. Randy and his classmates consisting of characters like Mickey, Cece Cooper, and Joshua Jackson, also known as apparently his title is Film Guy Number One. They all begin to talk about the ideas of horror and whether they contribute to real-life violence. Some state that it's life imitating art imitating life. Randy disagrees, eventually talking about sequels regarding these new murders popping up. I like the scene with um, Randy when they're in the, um, I was about to say in the theater room. That was a deleted scene. But when they're in the classroom talking about the sequels, because I'm like, this is us. Just spewing these horror facts and all these hot takes and how we feel about this sequel and this movie and that, 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 that. So there was a little moment there. But um, just the fact that we opened with Sydney Prescott and the caller ID when, in fact, in real life after Scream came out, 
caller ID sales went all the way Y'all. up. I just feel like it was a humble brag. I just feel like it was a flex that they just <laughs> had to slide in there real quick. We had a caller ID that looked exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Everybody did. <laughs> Especially after this movie came out. I feel like that Kevin also was aware that, okay, there's caller ID now, of course. And of course, Sydney would have caller ID at this point. So I felt like it was pretty realistic for her to be like, on it with this kind of stuff like no 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 we're not gonna mess with this anymore not this time around <laughs> yeah but how did the caller know what the killer sounded like i mean i guess you could say that he's the movie. Like, but the movie. is the movie is the movie really how does the movie know what the killer's voice sounds well, like? well gail was was reporting everything so it's based off of the book so gail is kind of like the main source of what and she was in the first movie yeah but how <laughs> but everyone who heard who heard the killer's voice with the exception of sydney uh died so did Sydney go out and be like, this is what the voice sounded like? But Sydney also Randy. had the phone call with, with her, remember? So Sydney also knows how the, the voice sounded. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Did Sydney go out and describe this voice for everybody so they could get a realistic voice? Probably not, but I think Randy might have. Randy might have. I can see Randy doing that. I can see Randy like going I can see him doing something like that. Well, especially because during this film class, he's like, I live this. This was like I know what this right. is about. I always thought that this was in Woodsboro for some reason. I always thought this. I thought it was all the same thing, but uh, apparently it's not. (laughs) Until Dewey pops up and says what he says. And I'm like, now, wait up in Ohio. (laughs) I know. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) So as Randy's class lets out, Sydney meets up with him and they both walk together, catching themselves up about the new murder. Uh, A new player then appears and we see that Sydney has a new love interest in the form of Derek. Derek seems to be very protective of Sydney and wants to make sure that she's okay. And then a wild Gail Weathers appears and uh, and is also in a short hairdo with some red streaks. Dewey, Dewey, he says it nice highlights. <laughs> <laughs> I just, Gail is just a mood every movie. And I'm like, you know what? Y'all just gonna have to get with it. And if you can't, you're not that girl. Well, so. she really starts off this movie like strutting into the scene. Like she's literally like. Yes coming in and being like i'm here i'm present um i don't know i i like i apparently the, that's the thing for this movie everyone's like almost doing the the rihanna like one side like about to do the the bob to one side um yeah i don't know i think this is a very 90s hairdo it is <laughs> it, yeah. it is it definitely just the whole everybody's look because even randy like randy looks like he's about to go audition for shaggy and scooby-doo before matthew lillard did it but (laughs) there's just a lot going on even mickey's hair like how brushed and open it is yeah Mm -hmm. it looks like a baby hey arnold that's what it looks like So uh, we then meet Kenny's replacement as a cameraman named Joel, who is young and very happy to be there for now. Uh, Gail then gets pulled aside by Miss Debbie Salt, who is a fan of Gail Weathers' work. She's a local reporter who took a seminar from Gail Weathers and eventually starts to grill her about the making of the movie. Gail does not take kindly to this and immediately calls her desperate and obvious. Yeah, what do you guys think of Debbie Salt? I think that is such a bomb-ass name. Because, <laughs> girl, what, what, how did you even come across that? Were you looking at the little can of Motrin, that, that salt? <laughs> and then you were looking at little Debbie snacks. And then you was just like, oh my God. little Debbie salt. Little mm-hmm. Debbie salt. Debbie salt. That's it. I 
Got it. Like, where did you come up with that name? I love it. I think she's just salty. Ooh. Could be. Could be. So we have a press meeting with the head of police, either of the town or of the college. I always was very confused as to when we were in the college and when we were at the police station, because the police station seemed to be in the college. Like, it was all this one big campus. You know, I felt like we were never out of it. Um, But maybe I just wasn't, like, picking that out as much as I should have. Well, I think it's very, like... It's just like Midwest college town where like the town is the college and the college is the town. Yeah, it is <laughs> from the Midwest. I can I can attest. Yes, it all looks <laughs> the same. It, it literally all looks because the whole aesthetic of Windsor College is kind of I don't know how um, where you guys grew up with the high school looks looked like in the 90s and 2000s before computers and the sleek modern look took over. Mm-hmm. But the buildings look like that too. So yeah, it just all looked the same. So Gail immediately takes over the conversation with probing the chief whether the killer will strike again. However, it does not seem that it is a serial killer and that it may be an isolated incident. While our official pack of friends gather around the scene looking from afar, we meet two new characters in the forms of sorority sister Murphy and sorority sister Lois. They throw a cheerful amount of shade towards Sydney as they can't believe all this fuss is over Sydney. Not directly, but in six degrees of Kevin Bacon way. Hallie encourages Sydney in order for them to both pledge to the Delta Lambdas, which I did not know was a thing. When they said Delta Lambdas, I've never heard of Delta Lambdas. I was like, I, I, I'm not part of like the Greek life. Uh, so this is all like foreign to me. It's all Greek to you, you oh. could say. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dewey Riley has now entered the chat and with a slight limp, Sydney spots him from afar as he has returned since he is worried about Sydney and Randy, mostly Sydney. As much as Dewey wants to catch up with her about her life and her updates, he cannot get over the fact that there is a killer out there and is usually someone already in their own life. I love Dewey's theme. Anytime Dewey pops up on the theme and it's that little music. Oh, I yeah. I love it so much. Dewey's theme is really kinda, good. Mm-hmm. It kind of gives me a little a little taste of mm. Bride of Chucky, even though Bride of Chucky didn't come out until a year later. But um, there's another Cody that listens to your show and our show. So, hey, Coco. He knows exactly <laughs> what song I'm talking about, but I don't know the name of it. But Is I'm it Co- sure. La- Landman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 we know, we know him. Yeah. <laughs> he, I'm pretty. He knows exactly what beat I'm talking about. What part of Dewey things that sounds just like Bride of Chucky, but it just is I it. Is it, it the part? Is it? Is it like Tiffany's usual yes, entrance? Was it like? Yes, it's the same. I can't sing it, but I I, I feel it. I feel you our know exactly heads coming what into I'm the. Talking. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. My mother always said, "That's what it is." So Sydney versus Gail, the rematch of the Millennium guys. Gail approaches Sydney now in order to get some words with her. Before they can even talk, Gail reveals Cotton Weary behind in order to catch an exclusive scoop with them, meeting for the first time after his conviction. Gail starts to film, but Sydney is not a fan, and Gail pulls the you better watch it finger on her. But 
Gail continues to press Cindy on to share, but suddenly gives her the backhand slap, leaving Cotton Weary with blue balls that he cannot have because of the interview he wanted. Bam! Bitch went down. Bitch went down. Also, like, <laughs> love. I think the backhand slap is, like, much more powerful in this. Yes. Sydney said, I have different flavors. What do you want today? Because <laughs> we could do this. Because it's almost like replica to the first movie. And I feel like we were psyched out at first because she was about to, like, be do something. She was like, no, no, no. We're not going to do this again. Perfect. But then, like, Gail... I always struggle with Gail because I love Gail. I do think that she's such a great character, but she is awful sometimes. So in this she's moment, asking for it. she's asking for it. And as Dewey says later on in the movie, like he, she was like, I think you deserved it. You gonna bring cotton. And I always love it when Sydney slaps Gail. It's one of my favorite parts. <laughs> so we now cut to the night of the sororities. Cece Cooper, sorority girl, is the next victim. While alone at her sorority house, Cece is threatened by the killer over the phone before the killer attacks her inside the house. Cece is fed up with these antics and attempts to call campus security, but cannot reach them as she cannot call outside. She's outside because she's fearing that the killer is inside and she wants to stay outside. Finally, somebody doing what I'm like yelling at the TV to do. Yeah, but like also she is she's kind of like set up. Kevin Williams oh, also I mean, like yeah, was, made her like, no, you have to stay inside. She there was, was there was no way that she was making it out of this alive. But like when when the killer's like like mocking the person who says, Oh, don't forget to set the alarm mm-hmm. and he says that to her on the phone, I'm like, girl, that means he's already inside. Like <laughs> you should just you, you should go outside right now. Instead she sets the alarm and then continues to run around the house. Cece begins to hear noises in the house, but then is revealed to be one of her fellow sisters. While they talk, we see that Ghostface enters to the front door behind them. So Cece receives one last call, and she says hello until Ghostface bursts out the door behind her. Cece runs upstairs where she throws a potted plant and a bike at the killer. Cece is then chased to the top floor where the killer throws her through balcony doors and then stabs her in the back twice before throwing her over a third-story balcony to her death i do have to agree with randy i feel like this movie is giving a lot more violence like here like he could have been sufficient with just stabbing her and killing her as we were in the first movie and this one it's like throw punch stab stab throw off the roof like literally like really damaging these people this time around i think they was just like you thought buffy was bad i'll show you who's bad See her in this movie. Boom. <laughs> For some reason, she really did not have a chance here. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. She was holding it down when she threw the bicycle and the other stuff. She was holding it down for a hot second. Mm-hmm. For a real hot second. But it just, you know, she looked good, though, falling from that third story. <laughs> <laughs> I will give. I feel like they I feel like horror community was very kind to Sarah Michelle Gellar in this in this moment in time because she had two really great chase scenes. Like she mm-hmm. went up to to like had this whole scene dedicated just to her character, and then also has a whole. I mean, the whole movie pretty much is all dedicated to Helen, but also that iconic chase scene in you know what I did. Uh, you know what I did. Last summer. I know what you did last summer. Um, <laughs> was really good. So I feel like this was Sarah Michelle's killer's moment. Mm-hmm. They was like, well, just, you know, you got it, girl. Run. 
Yeah, I just don't <laughs> feel bad because like this was another one that was like fully unavoidable. She could have just like gone outside and left the house and gone over to a neighbor's to to call security. Why don't they just bring the sober sister to the party and just not let her drink? Like I also was thinking if there's a killer on the loose at this moment, I don't think having one person left behind in the house is smart. Well, they didn't think it was right. a serial killer. They thought it was just like an Oh well, yeah, incident. yeah, but still I wouldn't I would say, "Hey girls, stick together. Don't, you right. know, don't Two. leave Two, yeah, go in twos, couples." Yeah. Mm-hmm. My my take on it though why she was there is that I I was under the impression that like it wasn't just one party that the girls were going to, that they were going to go to lots of different directions and she was just the like central uh DD in case someone needs to come home. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I do like we get another clue that there are two killers because if you notice when Ghostface is creeping through the front door, they're on the phone with Ghostface. So yeah. he's not holding the phone up to his ear. So who, who, mm. that definitely was like, a well, that definitely was a giveaway. Where it's just like, what if mm-hmm. that's Ghostface right now? Then who's doing? Yeah, there couldn't be. Yeah. There's no way that there could have been two, like one person doing the same thing. So I really like that little hint that, like, okay, we're dealing with two killers here again. So we get the attack where Sydney is finally faced with another phone call. And when the phone rings, she's like, oh, my God, it's something familiar. And we at home were like, don't answer it. You don't have to answer it. It's not your own home. Like, you, you could you could keep going. <laughs> like, you could leave that to a voicemail. Uh, but somehow she does answer it. Of course, it's the killer. Her entire face, when she realizes what this is going to, mm-hmm. I, I felt bad for her. But then, were they, were they, were they pulling my leg? <laughs> Why are you so clumsy? Is this too? This too? What happened? Like he's falling over chairs, he's falling everywhere. I'm like, no, wait a minute, hold up. I just, I wish that the ghost face in this series would have just been more brutal. Period. Like yeah. just slice her ankle or something. I don't know. Pinch. Yeah. Do we, something. In this moment, I didn't feel like Sydney was at any risk. You know, I felt like mm-hmm. I'm the first time the the first movie where that. Uh, where she had her first encounter with Ghostface, I feel like that was more as like, oh my God, surprise, she might not make it. This one was kind of like, yeah, he was fumbling around, not really knowing what to do. Um, So I I totally get that. But I think the whole main Mm -hmm. point of this section is to kind of make it seem in our minds that, oh, maybe Derek has something to do with it because he disappears and it gets slashed. And especially when it turns out at the hospital, like it, it looked bad, but it actually missed like all the major arteries. So he wasn't right. really in any danger. And I'm like, is this, if this ends up being another one of the things where like Billy got attacked in the first movie so that you wouldn't suspect him, like, come mm-hmm. on, don't do that to me. I mean, technically it was going to be that when we think about, you know, the original quote unquote script, what it was supposed to be, which I mean, and I'll just say this now throughout this entire movie, just watching everybody because nobody knew who the killer was. Everybody was looking so suspect. Like you have to, when you watch this movie, you have to pay attention to every single person, just the stuff that be, even Dewey be so shifty eyed. Even the cameraman, Joel, like he be doing crazy stuff. Like it's a whole scene that he's in the back cutting a apple with a switchblade. I'm just like, <laughs> why are you cutting it? Like, that? what are you doing? 
But I kind of like that about these movies. No, I at love least it like too. no, I love it. At least like the the first two. The first two do a really good job at making you think that oh maybe these characters can be the killers. It could be really mm-hmm. anybody, which I really do love that aspect about these movies. No, I absolutely love it in this one, but it's so obvious that you can tell nobody knows who it really is. Just next time you guys watch this or if you watched it and you see what I'm saying, like just pay attention to everybody. Oh, we also have the whole idea with the fact that like he was trying to be a copycat killer. And the copycat killer, like I feel like that element was really cool how... It was matching the the way that the first few victims in the first movie happened, but I think it then mm. just like disappeared after that. Like it, yeah, it didn't like, follow happened? that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> we not matching names no more. We, no. Okay, never mind. Sorry. We actually looked down the list. We were like, okay, wait, hold on. Does were these characters' last names? But it didn't. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, it did <laughs> not. So yeah, so now Sydney is assigned with two bodyguards uh, from now on. We do go into the I think I love you scene, which at the school cafeteria, our friend uh, friend group of Derek, Mickey, Hallie, and Sydney have lunch together. As they discuss the idea of Sydney having her bodyguards, Derek bursts into song, professing his love for Sydney and eventually giving her his Greek letters in a necklace form, in which Hallie explains you are never to give those away. Nope, that is a done deal um but he does it anyways i think the character of Derek. i honestly think i feel bad for this character he really truly does love sydney i think but they did a real good job of making him seem super suspicious yeah but even yeah. at the end we were all wrong and he was just an innocent he guy we were but he it was like it would be sometimes he would get really close and then everybody knows people with blue eyes kind of freaky they scare me and his blue <laughs> eyes i'm just like oh my goodness like can you stop looking at her with that face on your face like i don't like especially it. every time I was like yeah i just want to make sure you're okay i just like yeah mm-hmm. i'm always here for you and I'm like all right got it she got it she can she can handle it she's fine <laughs> mm-hmm. So then we get into the rules. Randy and Dewey start to talk about the rules of a sequel when they meet up for lunch. Also the time where we see the new preview of the new Stab movie. Uh, what do you guys think of the, in the, the movie within a movie scene between Tori Spelling and Luke Wilson? I like movies within a movie. Yeah, it, it was definitely giving SNL. <laughs> I was just because first of all, it's just the scene that they chose to put in the movie. Yeah, because I'm like, how we get this info? How we know this conversation <laughs> happened? Word for what? word, literally word, word for, for word. word. And there's no <laughs> way Sydney would remember that that scene, that yeah. that, that interaction. Did she, tell, did she even tell Gail that? <laughs> like, did she? Like, when did Gail? Go see Sydney. I was like, yeah, girl, just tell me about everything that you did. <laughs> Sydney was not telling her that. So how you how you know? Yeah. How do you know? <laughs> That's so funny. But the scene is still it's still a good scene because um Luke first <laughs> the way they got him dressed up as Billy with that greasy Yo. hair and the little bangs. <laughs> it's funny. I love it. So we have these suspects because Randy suspects that it's somebody that they know. We have Derek. His wound was somehow luckily miss every major uh, vein and artery. But no, because the killer wants to break new ground. 
It could be Mickey, the freaky Tarantino film student. But no, because if he is a suspect, then Randy is a suspect. If it's Rand, then Randy, if he's a suspect, well, maybe he's a suspect. That means the suspect is Dewey, because if Randy is a suspect, so is Dewey. Mm -hmm. Then they bring up Hallie. Maybe it's Hallie, Sid's roommate. But Stewie states serial killers are typically white females and suggests that, oh, maybe there there are females out there that can be killers. They suggest Pamela Voorhees or Candyman's daughter. Or it could be Gail Weathers. Dewey thinks no, but also thinks, you know, she's, she's a little vicious. Randy thinks this could make sense as she pretty much wants to make more books. Reporters always are trying to make the news. At this moment, do you guys, when you did, uh, when you did see the movie, think who it was at this point? I honestly don't remember who I thought it was. Yeah, I don't remember who I thought it was, but I know who I wanted it to be. Who who did you want it to be? I wanted it to be Hallie and Joel. Because I just felt like that would have been brilliant to have two black killers yeah. kill two black people in the <laughs> beginning and just fuck the whole thing up. Like, I just wanted it. Because even like, like I said, like Joel's character was acting so fishy throughout the whole movie still. And it like, since we were taking random ass characters and making them the killer anyway, yeah. like might as well made it them. <laughs> I like that. I like that idea. That would have been cool. It probably, honestly, I mean, Hallie was originally one of the killers. Yeah, she the was original. going to be one anyway. So you could have just had two black killers. And it just, I just feel like that would have been very mind-blowing then in 1997 to have two black killers that killed all these other people. And we think in this white person the whole it's time. It's true. Oh, that would have been good. So Randy is the next victim. Uh, the group of Joel, Dewey, Randy, and Gail is outside on the campus lawn amongst a dozen college students enjoying the fine weather. But then the killer calls them and taunts them, claiming that he can see them from where he is. Gail and Dewey start searching the dozen or so students who are in the area who are on their cell phones, trying to quickly reveal if any of them is the killer. Randy is also looking around while talking to the killer on the phone. He's trying to stall the killer in order to help Gail and Dewey find him. When he is outside the cameraman Joel's van, Randy is unexpectedly pulled into the van and stabbed to death uh, before his body is soon discovered by Joel, Gale, and Dewey. What are your thoughts of Randy's death? I was not happy. His death always makes me sad. Oh, I know. But also, I just got so many questions. Like, <laughs> when you got close to that van... Like the sound didn't start doing nothing weird on the phone. You didn't hear nobody. T- no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is our one of our original three survivor. Well, four, I guess survivors from the yeah. first movie. And, you know, I mean, obviously they liked Randy enough to bring him back in some sort of way in the third one. But yeah, I mean, this is awful. And the fact that like Sydney has to hear about it way later it's just like also heartbreaking. It's so sad. It's so sad. Now Joel passing out and Randy dying makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Th- that whole scene, first of all, because it's <gasps> Dewey, his face. David Arquette just has this face that's just hilarious. Like just he cannot be making a face and it's funny. But when he's screaming and taking Gail away, he's just still looking at him. He's like, and then Joel just falling out like it's just a lot but I feel him because when you just see Randy just laying there I'm like and we see where it's like off screen so it must be like brutal 
yeah. the amount of stuff that happened, um, uh. which makes me so honestly, it makes me mad. Like, I just hate that this I, I just feel like he got played so badly. There was no chance for him to really fight back. It kind of just happened mm-hmm. so quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But. You know, you just you saw the blood dripping out from the bottom of the van. Mm-hmm. There was a funny Friends reference in this scene, though, too. Uh, I can't uh, remember the context, but uh, someone brings like, up like Gail has like there were like, new pictures of new pictures, release. new pictures, mm-hmm. and she was like, "It was just my face on Jennifer Aniston's body." Yeah, <laughs> you know they're besties, though. They That's love each the other. part that I was talking about that Joel was sitting there cutting that apple with that. Oh uh, yeah. I was like, what is happening here? And then, see, that would have made sense because he had already had a knife. He could have just walked around the corner because this was after he quit, right? After yeah, he wanted out. Conveniently he enough. Stabbed, stabbed. Mm-hmm. Conveniently stabbed, 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 stabbed enough. Conveniently. Uh, I can't even say this word. Conveniently en- enough, he leaves at this moment. He goes, mm-hmm. goes to what he does. And obviously, it's like, of course, now we're like, okay. Wait a minute. We thought it was Derek. Maybe it is Derek. Now it's Joel. Like, come on. Like, what's what's going on? Right. See, I was like so happy that Joel left. He was the only one who had sense. He was. Yeah. Honestly, true. I mean, I would have liked to see him in the action more. But honestly, the moment where he was like, "I'm gone," like when he packs his things, and it was like, "Yeah, you have most sense." I- any person who knows that you're in the midst of everyone dying would leave. Like it was like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm done. So we are in the library. Sydney, while doing work at the library, suddenly receives a threatening message to her computer as she thinks it may be coming from another computer in the room. Also, whoa, such a throwback computer. Oh, uh, yeah. The way this is set up and the way it was like, what is this? I think you got an instant message. Or I'm like, oh, wow, we, we don't, we're not there yet. Mm-mm. <laughs> So her bodyguards escort her to the side while they look around to see who may have done it. While they left her there, she, was su- we, she wasn't necessarily safe as Cotton Weary pops up grilling Sydney about a possible interview with Diane Sawyer. Sydney declines and Cotton gets mad about it, eventually saying fuck it and loudly berating to Sydney, poor Sydney, everyone's favorite little victim, and immediately gets pinned down by the bodyguards. I feel like these bodyguards are like, super bad because they're just like thank you we're gonna put you around the corner where we can't see you and then we're gonna leave you alone there <laughs> good luck we're gonna be over again, here again why wouldn't one of them stay there why the other mm-hmm. one stayed there excellent well, question take her with you take her with you just what was happening but like con weary also was doing so much he was so no. close to her face like you can so even see it in close. sydney's face there were moments where he was like Almost touching her, and you can see it in her face where she's like, uh, uh, d- right, "Don't back up! Dare you do that?" I could feel it off her energy that she was like, "Not, not about it." Uh, so after this, of course, Cotton Weary is arrested. Uh, he's later let go, uh, and Gail confronts Cotton about what he's doing and to make sure he doesn't do anything stupid. Uh, stupidly, he hands Sydney a business card while Sydney just found out about Randy's death. The chief suggests that they go home and pack up with Hallie being by Sid's side uh, on their ride back with their bodyguards. I will say I feel like they're doing an injustice to Hallie. I feel like mm-hmm. we didn't get enough of her. 
Oh, yeah. Especially like to the point where she's like, I'm going to stick by your side, Sid, no matter what. I was like, oh, you guys are like super close friends. I wish we got more of that closest because like we got a lot of it at Scream 1 with Tatum. Like we we could feel that best friend energy in mm-hmm. this one. It was a little little rocky. I didn't I didn't think that like Hallie was to the point where like I'm gonna be with you during this whole journey, no matter what kind of section. What what do it you guys really think? Felt like she was just a roommate. That really yeah. just felt like she was just a roommate. Like I know some of your business. I know you going through. I know you going through something, girl. I'm praying for you. I'll yeah. be here every now and then. <laughs> That's that, what it felt like. Yeah, that's what it felt like. So when she said that, I was like, "Oh, okay, okay." So you know, Tatum, I can believe she's gonna be there during the like during all these attacks. But I mean, like, oh, girl, you know, I feel like she should have done her research a little bit more on Sydney to, to mm-hmm. see where her last best friend went. Yeah. Gail then gets confronted by Debbie Salt, causing Gail to break down and telling her to buzz off. On top of that, her cameraman decides to bounce at this moment too after his van is now an official crime scene. Gail, now feeling vulnerable and angry about the events that took place, decides to lean on Dewey, which at first, Dewey does not trust. He then lets his guard down and decides to help Gail after seeing how hurt she is. They then remember that they have tons of tapes with footage shot around the campus. They decide that it's best to go and investigate them. I put enter child's play transition here because at this moment, the music that transitions into this scene it's all like xylophone like big mm-hmm. like it reminded me of a child's play like background music i know exactly what you're you, talking yeah about. you can so hear it in your here. head right be right here yeah <laughs> yes I know exactly what you are talking about. So now, uh, Gail and Dewey decide, uh, they remember that they have some video footage that they can use. So uh, they decide to go find a lecture room to watch the video footage in uh, and maybe even gain a glimpse of the killer. Uh, As they rewatch these clips, they start to bond again and Gail apologizes. Uh, And then they start making out just like right here in front of everybody. Uh, Gail then, uh, you know, right after she starts taking her clothes off, notices another TV screen suddenly playing footage that her cameraman had not taken. The perspective of the video is that of the killer, showing clips of Cece on the porch and Randy in the park. Finally, it shows the backs of Dewey and Gail as they watch the video. They turn around and notice ghost faces in the projector room, and Dewey gives chase. Gail is then cornered in the sound system room, but manages to hide in the recording uh, in the recording room. Dewey enters and attempts to get Gail's attention through the soundproof glass. However, he is unsuccessful and ultimately is stabbed a couple of times. And then Gail notices in horror as he slides down the glass with Ghostface standing behind him. Gail then manages to bar the door from the killer with a fallen shelf, and the killer disappears. Ooh, we at this point we think that Dewey is dead. He's gone for the count. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's out. I will say, I think knowing how many times Dewey has gone in and out of these movies, rewatching it, I'm just like, I'm not as affected by Dewey getting killed at this moment. Um, but before, I feel like it would have been an emotional, emotional scene for me. It, 
It's just the way that he gets slammed up against that window because I worked at a radio station and you really cannot hear like those those they're really soundproof. Yeah. And just the amount of blood that's like just on the window. And I'm pretty sure like I just want to know, like, who's his doctor? Like, what's his insurance looking (laughs) like? Because I know he got stabbed in the spinal cord. How did you how how he's dodged death so many times. They need to put him in the Final Destination movie. <laughs> See if he survives that. Um, I also, there's something about Gail's outfit at this point. I just, I just think she looks so cute. Like with like the tight white shirt tucked into the black, like mm-hmm. uh, high jeans. I was like, it's this giving cute. very much Janet Jackson, mm. nasty pleasure principle control <laughs> era. Very I, cute. I love I it. I love it. I love it. I, mm-hmm. it's such a good, like, ending of a movie get up like she's about but to get also chased. it's dewey's hand it's dewey's <sighs> hand on her boot for me he's like oh sorry because <laughs> <laughs> well, he like, just keeps it there right after she's like but wait just like right? i need to we, we need to be serious here for a little bit oh my god <laughs> and this is probably peak their romance right like their real life romance in real life yeah mm-hmm I think they were. T- I'm actually. They were divorced in three, or were they back together in three? I think they're no. I think they're. they're they were still together doing. Yeah. Three. Because their whole the plot line in four was still together. Yeah, yeah, they didn't get divorced after four. Man, oh, wow. that sucks. So I'm interested to see how that plays out via the movie. Yeah. Um, but I know it's going to sound so bad and you guys are probably going to get me for saying this, <laughs> but Dewey's limp in this movie <laughs> took me out, oh especially when he ran <laughs> up them steps to the projector. He committed to that limp. <laughs> he did. Like he told Wes Craven, I have a choice and I'm going to make it <laughs> during this whole time. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie yet, but John A, is his limp better than the guy from Hell Knight that claimed he ain't put that rock in his shoe to make himself limp? No. <laughs> I was just curious. See, Dewey's limp was more comical. This man limp. <laughs> he was committed. Oh, my God. <laughs> what was this from? Hell Knight? It's called Hell, Hell Night. Night. It oh, came we- out in 1981, so it's part of the slasher boom after um, Halloween and Friday yeah. came out. Okay, we got. And the character, mm-hmm. we had a full debate because we heard that the character put a rock in his shoe to make himself limp. But then years but later, he said he, said he ain't do that. He said he was <laughs> limping for real. And then Linda isn't Linda Linda Blair's in it. Yeah, Linda Blair's in it. Yeah. Oh my god, she's like the main character. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I feel like I've definitely seen it like promoted somewhere. Besides, yeah, like your place, really, like it's like, really low key, like clips. Yeah, it's and, a super low key, but you'll see it. It's like people talk about. It's like one of those movies that people are like you need to see this. No, you don't. But yeah, <laughs> I will force Cody to see it because I yeah. I love those kind of like mm, you don't need to see it, but then like I I kind of want to. <laughs> it's not scary, Cody. Oh, okay. <laughs> you'll be fine. You'll be see, fine. See, the thing is, in my brain, where I go in the scene as he's, like, running up into the production booth as to that scene in Mean Girls. Oh, my God. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You know what he wants me to do? He wants me to edit this scene so when he, like, runs and limps into the 
the, the door. He, he opens like, it. And he's like, Coach Carr? It is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that. And I told him I will. I'll I'll edit it. I'll probably edit it so when this episode comes out, I'll put it alongside with it. Yes, you have. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna get into actually one of my favorite scenes of this movie. So as Hallie and Sydney pack up into the police car, the bodyguards drive them off. As Derek at this moment gets attacked by his fraternity brothers and hung up on a star while they all drink beer and party. That's not the scene. This is this is fine. <laughs> as Hallie and Sid pull up to a stop sign, the girls ask where are they going. The guards tell them, "If we tell you, then we gotta kill you." Like, dude, not the time. Like, you don't don't make these jokes at this point. <laughs> And then the other says, don't ask, don't tell, which I think it was like a joke because Sid earlier was like, one of them is gay. And then he, you know, I was like, yeah. uh-huh, got it. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in this moment, the two are attacked by Ghostface as he drives off with one of the attack guards hanging onto the front of the car. They crash. This as- is like, uh, just further proof that these like, they're the protection officers, the guards are like super, super bad at their job. It's just like getting straight up, getting out of the car, making sure that they take a car that the girls are locked into the back of. So if, so if the killer like happens to show up and take the car that they can't do anything I'm like, come on. Yeah. These are awful cops. They could barely fight too. I just, like right. they got knocked down so quickly by this, by this, by this ghost face. As our two heroines wake up from the crash, they notice that a pole has impaled one of the guards through the head, but has created an opening from the back seat to the front seat. Sydney and Hallie crawl out with Sydney stopping for a brief moment to see if she wants to unmask the killer. After a brief scare, she decided to just get them both out. They start to run off, but before they continue, Sydney decides she needs to see who the killer is. She is tired of running. But they soon find out that the ghost face has disappeared and instead has come up behind her, Hallie, and stabbing her to death. This scene made me so mad. I'm like, I'm you could have. So why would you leave the gun on the car? <laughs> I know. Like, you, you could just you could just kill him. And then like, that's and it. And then look and see who it is. Yeah. That's all you got to do. <laughs> and then Hallie would just pull the mask. Just pull the mask. That's all you got to do. It also gets me this scene. Every time I see that agent on the hood and he's twitching, I'm just, ah!" oh, it just seems so out of place for a screen movie. But at the same time, like it is also violent and it kind of proves to what Randy was talking about, like more gore. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't. And that's what I want. That's exactly what I want. Because every time I see I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. He's still dying. He's not all the way dead yet. He still feel this. This is too much. But oh. Sydney, girl, Sydney, you got Hallie killed. Oh my gosh! That per- another character that bad. didn't get for me a, a a good death. Like if you're gonna give her a death, like she she barely saw it coming. She barely had a chance. Like <laughs> yeah, like let her fight a little bit. Right. I would have like she could have ran through the quad a little bit. You should yeah, right. Drew Barrymore again and stabbed her from the back, like something. <sighs> exactly. And I was just like, girl, you did not need to see that. You could have waited. They could have told you in the newspaper behind the scenes something, girl. You didn't need to know. But I do like the setup of this scene. The whole idea of them have to, qu- like the 
just the structure of this scene, how they're placed in this car, and the only way out for them to like to survive is to go through this tiny little thing. Well, I'm fucked. I'm fucked. I'm not getting through that. Fuck that. I'm like, no, there's no way. I'm dead. Um, so you have to get through that little thing and then also go over the killer. I'm like, oh, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I don't think I would. I would have tried to kick that back window out. We would have figured it out. We would have had to. <laughs> there must have been another way. that it, it had to be. Right? But also, Ghostface can't disappear that quickly. I honestly don't think he could. Dis- she looked away for like a second. And then Hallie was facing that way. So how did, yeah, you, Hallie did-, how did you not see it? Hallie was like, uh, Sydney, he's coming. Hey. He's out of the car. <laughs> There's no way. Anyways, so Gail, finding a good time to leave, then gets shocked by Cotton, who is still around, but with blood on his hands. Gail suspects that Cotton Weary is the killer and pushes Debbie Salt out of the way in order to use the payphone. Sydney then runs to the school theater where she is confronted by the killer once more. The killer reveals himself to be Mickey, her new boyfriend's best friend. Sydney finds herself her boyfriend Derek tied to a stage prop, and Mickey then shoots Derek in the chest. But not uh but not before he's he like tricks Sydney into thinking that Derek was was the other killer. Yeah, she she kind of messes with her head at this moment to be like, wait a minute, do you really want to do that because of what happened last? But also, why are you trusting the killer? She don't know what to believe. You're gonna mess that poor girl up. I know she's allowed to have trauma about uh, about her boyfriend being a killer. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, and then we was already getting creep vibes from him. We thought he was the killer too, sis. So. <laughs> Though I will say, I think the movie did a good job at hiding Mickey for the most part. Mm-hmm. Because by the time Mickey is revealed, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot you were in this movie. I've like totally oh but yeah. See, <laughs> but see, that's what makes me mad. Uh-oh. And I'm just like, cause he we literally don't see him after the I think I love you scene. We don't see him anymore. Mm-mm. So I'm just like, well, okay. <laughs> and like, I mean, his reveal, I love his reveal. When he takes that mask off, because he looks so deranged and crazy. Mm-hmm. And then the whole rest of this scene, he is in his bag with the crazy. And I love it. I'm just like, oh, yeah, maybe it did need to be you. But because <laughs> of that, you could have thrown him in another scene. Like, just have him in the back pop. I don't know. Something. Something. See, I actually want to push back on that idea a little bit. I think that the movie kind of did it pretty well in that, like, you want the reveal to be shocking. Like, the first movie's reveal was shocking. And they already kind of, mm. like, hinted at Mickey a little bit. They threw him out at the beginning of the movie. They had, like, the ominous music where he was like, but how, you know, no one told him to go back in the house. Like, isn't that suspicious? And then, you know, it, the when Randy was kind of talking things through, he's like, well, it could be, it could be the, the weird guy who's obsessed with horror movies and i you know i i think that it was smart for them to introduce him with suspicion and then give you as the audience member like a cooling off period where you like he kind of goes to the back of your head so that it is then that surprising you're like oh my gosh you of all people like i never would have thought that it was going to be this person mm-hmm. so i i actually think that they did it pretty well I, I you know i don't disagree that like you probably could have thrown him in one more scene in there just so like you don't forget that he's still in the movie but you know i i do think it's good that they like 
introduce him as suspicious early and then throw in enough other people around them and kind of let him fade into the background a little bit that it's still a shock when you find out that he's one of the killers. Yeah, I can agree with that. I just maybe one more scene of just like how you were talking about. He just says something that's just kind of off and you like what? <laughs> because but then it would throw it off though. a little bit more. Because oh, so far Yeah, just like just one last like throw you off your guard and then we can keep mm-hmm. going with the movie. Yeah, cuz we haven't mm-hmm. seen him since that scene, which is why I'm like Oh shit! Okay, yeah, you. Which is again you. when he takes mm-hmm. off his mask, I was like, oh, oh, I need more, more of this scene. So mm-hmm. Mickey is also revealed to have had a partner. Cindy turns around to see Gail come out of the stage door, leading her to believe that Gail is the other killer. Gail and Mickey shake their heads no, and Debbie Sod comes out holding the other cop's gun. <gasps> Sydney recognizes her as Mrs. Loomis, the mother of Sydney's previous boyfriend, Billy. Mickey reveals that it was his plan all along to be caught for the murders and to become infamous and immortalized by the media. He wanted to blame the violent killings on horror movies, the effects of cinema violence in society. He met Mrs. Loomis on a psycho, uh, psycho website, and she agreed to fund his college tuition in return for his part in the killings. I just want to know... Okay, I do like when Gail walks out. I'm just like, Gail, you bitch! But <laughs> but when she shakes her head, no, she's just like, no. I'm like, oh, okay, it ain't you. Okay, I'll take it back. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to call you that. They got us, but though. They got us goofed for a little they bit. They did. I, I was, was like, like, oh. Yeah, I was like, now that's a reveal. Because yeah. I, wow. <laughs> but I just have a question. And Cody Landman, don't beat me up. I'm sorry. I, I just really want to know. <laughs> If Mickey wanted to get caught, why you need your tuition paid? If you when you you was gonna get pulled out of school anyway, you weren't about to finish. You didn't think you was gonna finish, did you? I guess maybe because he needed to attend the classes and get close to them. Yeah, he needed to like get closer. But to also, Sydney. you could still kill people without having to actually go to college. Yeah, you you didn't need to do all that. You that yeah, means you so actually I'm had to go like, to courses. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm just like, we paying for tuition, but that's just going to all go down the drain when you get caught, boo. So That's just like a I don't know. waste of money. Yeah, you, you, she, yeah, she could have just, just accepted like, the money. You know what? It could be here. I'm I gonna, guess I'm, that was Billy's college money, I guess. And she oh, just oh no. I, I'm, I'm going to oh, start coming too. up with ideas Sorry. on the fly here. I think... Uh, I think that what it could be too is that like it's all playing into his like I'm just the innocent college student who like watched too many horror movies and like oh boohoo I like I just it, it like all these these crazy movies drove me to be a killer and I think that it's uh you know this could just be his way of trying to make him look uh as a What's the word that I'm looking for? Someone who like is sympathetic because his whole deal is like trying to be able to get off and get away with it because it, it, he can blame the movies in complete stark contrast to what Billy said. Well, I think it's the opposite. I think I think deep down inside he is a sympathetic character and there's something wrong with him and he needs to get therapy like yesterday. Um, but... For now, I think he really is a little bit crazy. 
I do think he really wants to like just fuck up the world and uh, really, you know, yeah, let's blame the movies, even though it's, I'm not really using the movies. I just want to kill people. I honestly th- think he's that deranged. And uh, I think the worst character is Mrs. Loomis because she took advantage of that. Because that whole final scene, and I mentioned this a little bit early, Mickey's character is terrifying in this whole final scene. Just like his facial it. Yeah, like the way he's just throwing his head back and screaming out Mrs. Loomis's name. It's like he has fully jumped off the Oh, the scene where he it's goes just, like, Billy's mother. Yes. I was like, you know how you like see somebody, but it's not them. <laughs> he left his body at that point, And I was just like, I don't know if I can, I can't get jiggy with this. This is a lot. Oh, no. <laughs> Trying to give Matthew a little bit of I liked it. Money. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's why I was just like, we are in a competition right now. And I mean, I love it, but it's scary, which I wanted it to be. But mm. I do love the performances. The performances in this scene Mm -hmm. are like top notch for me. Yes. And I think that's important. I think for a screen movie, the beginning has to be strong, but also that reveal like section has to be super strong, too. Agreed. So she has also helped Mickey place calls to the victims, except for the day because she ditched on him. I don't know what that means. Mrs. Loomis' motive for killing Sydney and her friends was revenge for Sydney having killed her son, Billy Loomis. However, Sydney points out that her uh, however, Sydney points out that to her that if she had not abandoned Billy prior to this, then Billy and Stu Mocker would not have started their killing spree, the event of the first movie. Mrs. Loomis shoots Mickey, removing him as a potential threat and stating that his intended legal defense was absurd anyway and that no one would have believed it. I mean, one part that I loved was when Sydney was like, Mrs. Loomis? And I forget. I'm like, oh, my God, she's never seen Debbie Salt in during this whole movie. I forgot yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. They never interacted. Yeah. So when this nope. when she sees her, she's like. I know exactly who you are. And I'm like, who is she? Who is she? Like, we want to know. <laughs> and then when she shades her too, because Gail is like, really? And and Sydney's like, 60 pounds and a whole lot of work done later. Sydney, Sydney has time for so, some shade in, in this dramatic moment. Um, but I do, I mean, listen, I, I love the performance of Mrs. Loomis in this moment she is there's a there's a point in this scene where i don't think she blinks at all for an extended amount of time she just has Mm -hmm. oh yeah look exactly (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly what she looks like that's exactly how she that's the creepy part the eyeballs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) the eyeballs are so creepy uh and also she's just batshit crazy and I love that Sydney was able to tell her, being like, you fucking abandoned your own son. You are the reason he's going crazy. Like, you need to also realize that. Like, he, she has, like, she also, yeah, she left him and never really helped out with that, never made sure he, he was okay. So, like, to him, it seems like the only person to blame is Sydney. And I guess she also blames Sydney as well for some reason. Is this also, um, is this also where, and I believe it was before Debbie came out, 
But isn't this also where Sydney is like, you forget one thing about Billy Loomis. I fucking killed him. Oh, yes. It's something about the intensity in her face. Because she she said, look, you know what? F the bull. I'm tired of this shit. And she just went for it. And I was all for it. I'm like, yes, girl, you better tell them what you did. I love Your that name scene. name is Sydney Marie Prescott. I know that's right. <laughs> I love I give that people scene. middle names. Yes, I give my final girls all types of middle names. And I mean, Sydney's hey, is Marie. Sydney definitely holds up for me as a final girl, um, especially in this moment. In this moment, she's badass. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. and she, you could tell that she's grown from the first movie. Oh, definitely so much. And we didn't really talk about this too much. I think we did, but earlier in the movie when she was like, "Just stop treating me like glass, Dewey. I'm not gonna break." I said, "I know that's right, girl." <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like come on girl like i get it because one thing about me i'm gonna cry okay <laughs> sydney was like i don't have no tears left to cry i'm on my ariana grande you just <laughs> yes. roll with it okay seriously she is such a strong guy she's gone through so much shit i i barely hang on i watch videos to make myself cry i don't know how she does it like <laughs> <laughs> So, as Mickey is shot, he reflexively shoots Gail, causing her to fall off stage. Sydney is cornered by Mrs. Loomis and tricks her momentarily into believing Mickey is still alive. And it was such a smart move, by the way. She was like, isn't Mickey supposed to be dead? And it's like, oh, gotcha, bitch. Like, literally in that moment, it was so good. Like, I, I don't even think... In my mind, I would be overthinking it, and I'd be like, should I say this in this moment? And it's too late. I'll be dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hesitate. Yeah. Sydney. Um, so, and when Mrs. Loomis is distracted, Sydney hits her in the face with a prop jar. Sydney fights back and barricades herself backstage where she presses various stage buttons, ultimately causing the front of the stage to collapse on Mrs. Loomis. Mrs. Loomis arrives and gets Sydney in an arm lock. However, Cotton, forgot about Cotton, the man Sydney initially blamed for killing her mother, arrives and takes Mickey's gun. Which in this movie, we then go through a different set of emotions on whether or not Cotton is willing to save Sydney. And then Sydney's in that in that moment. We're like, bitch, I should have just gotten that. I should have just said yes to the Diane Sawyer interview. Mm-hmm. I, I should have just said yes. <laughs> they would have got me better security. We wouldn't even <laughs> be doing this shit right now. Like, <sighs> But also, do you think he was actually contemplating it? Because for me. Yes. I don't think he was you don't think so? Mm-mm. <laughs> I think he thought about it because I would have been mad afterwards. Like, I would have been like, "You were about to kill me. I'm still mad at you." You should go to jail. I just think that he hesitated. I guess to stall time for what's her face, Mrs. Loomis. But I don't think he was really going to do it. Yeah, I I think it was a pinch of him that was like, you know what, this girl <laughs> that sent me to jail, she didn't say no to my Diane Sawyer. Billy Mama might be able to, I mean, Mickey's dead, so that college tuition money got to go somewhere. Maybe you can go to my pockets. <laughs> hmm. But then, if he sat there and killed her after getting out of jail, then he, he would have went back. To go right back. And he needs to oh, go no. back. Yeah, no. he, he still needs to go. He still needs to go. He was thinking about it. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, Mrs. Loomis did put up a, a good point and was like, she sent you to jail for a year. Which I'm like, a year. Okay, fine. You're, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. <laughs> and then it was like, just let me kill her. Just let me kill her. And I was like, all right, let's relax a little bit. 
Uh, so Mrs. Loomis tries to convince Cotton to kill Sydney, but Cotton chooses to shoot Mrs. Loomis instead, revealing he never intended to hurt Sydney. Sydney and Cotton discover that Gail is wounded but alive, and they help her. Mickey suddenly jumps up dramatically, and Gail and Sydney shoot him multiple times. This is like the one last scare uh, to make sure that the killer is dead. Then suddenly, so, well, then Sydney turns around and decides to shoot Mrs. Loomis in the head just in case, which Cody would be a fan of because he is very much a fan of the double tap. You always double tap. I like her dead face. I just love, <laughs> I just love Cotton's face when she when she went back and shot Mrs. Loomis in the head. He was just like the. <laughs> I love that line. I love her dead face. <laughs> I did. Cause it was like, she, cause you know, some people when they die, it's just like, girl, I know you just laying down. Like, okay. But for some reason, I'm right now, but Debbie Salt's Miss Loomis, her dead face. Like I genuinely thought this woman was dead. Like that was a dead body on the floor. And oh then God. even when they shot her again, like the reflex, it was just so realistic. Like, it's so realistic. I always like look back and I'm like, did she blink? Do you think she messed up? But no, it was good. It was good. Yeah. It was, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know how I mean, they did even, it. Even thinking about the first movie when it happened to Billy, like it looked good then too. I was like, oh, whatever yeah. y'all got on the special effects. I need to look into them. <laughs> it is like, then revealed that Despite his ordeal, Dewey survived his stabbing. Yay, guys. He is wheeled out on an under gurney and taken away in an ambulance, just like he did in the first movie. Gail decides to ride with him in the ambulance, the hospital. It turns out, uh, I don't know. I think we might be revealed this. I saw this somewhere. It turns out that the Dewey's scar tissue from previously being stabbed in the back prevented this latest stabbing from being fatal. So he got stabbed in the same place. Basically. And survive. I, that precision. You saw that bathroom stall precision. <laughs> Still don't Ghost buy Chase it. was like, okay, we don't want to kill him. We're going to stab him in the same place that those <laughs> other killers stabbed him last time. Don't ask me how I know. I just know. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so Sydney and Kyan walk out from the school and the media jump Sydney. Uh, Sydney and Cotton walk out from the school and the media jump Sydney, questioning her about their ordeal, wanting a scoop of news. But Sydney turns their attention to Cotton, saying he's the one they should talk to. She then walks across the college campus and we zoom out and a alternative rock song from the 90s plays over as we switch over to the credits. We have reached the end, guys. We have made it. What did you think of that last uh shot with cotton and sydney i'm just so sad because where is she going back to her room (laughs) it's sad over there i'm just like i'm always a person that's thinking like what happened after the camera stops rolling (laughs) like damn your roommate your boyfriend like half the camp rant your best friend are you still are you glad yeah your boyfriend died again you can never have a loved one at this point. Oh, I wouldn't try. I've had, I would have so many trust issues. They got to shut the school play down. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, we do know, we do see what happens after that. Cause I mean, we do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We true. Do. We see, but I'm just talking about immediately. Like I need, <laughs> I want to know what the following week was like. Like she just goes to like, like Denny's, get some pancakes. It was like, I'm hungry. Oh, I haven't eaten in 24 hours. <laughs> 
Okay. She they had to cancel. They had to cancel the school play. They had to whatever sorority and fraternity activities that definitely got shut down. Um, <laughs> just all the fuss over Sydney. Over Sydney. Yeah. Everybody's probably mm-hmm. talking about her. It's so crazy. Yeah. In a different state. Girl, you famous in two states. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the Delta Lambdas would still take her? Out of pity, maybe. They were, they were, they were thirsty for Sydney. <laughs> they were, but they were thirsty for the attention that she That's could bring them. That's yeah. all true. So they probably would. They're gonna make her an honorary. That's what's gonna happen. I think this whole movie is just like a third. This whole franchise is just thirsty for Sydney. This. <laughs> It's all about Sydney, which always makes that's me think, why like, you can't kill her. is there a world? That's why I think they're going to kill her. Johnny, you shut your mouth right now. <laughs> is there a world where we can have a Scream entry without Sydney? Not including the TV series. No. Yes, no. I do. Now, are you saying it's because time to get I'm rid of Sydney? I'm saying that I'm not, well... Ooh. I'm not saying that it's time to get rid of Sydney. What I'm saying is you've had two movies back to back, which is going to be four and five, where you're introducing a new cast of characters because you're trying to progress the franchise along. Unless I'm wrong that they're not trying to do that. But it seems to me they're trying to progress the franchise along. Let's be honest. Our last three is getting old. We can't keep having a franchise center around them forever. So realistically speaking, it only makes sense that in some form or fashion, you have to retire the three. And I really think for shock factor, they're going to kill off Sydney. Maybe she doesn't die by the hands of Ghostface. Maybe she dies some other way. Or it turns out Sydney is Ghostface. That too. And then she goes to jail for life. And then what? New, new, new start. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I totally get what you're saying. It does make sense to end Sydney's story. We need to have a cap, especially if they want to move on from Sydney's story. Because what? There's no. I feel like we've we've gone so deep into her her story already. Like the third one goes into her mother's background, and then we find out other stuff about her family. Then the fourth one right. just comes back, and there's more family problems. What other random family member can there be? You know, Maure- Maureen Prescott has to rise from the dead at this point. Oh, geez. And then also, we've had great character development. Like, Sydney has developed so much since the first scream. So it's like, we're else can she go yeah i will say because nancy nancy thompson is one of my favorite final girls for me she is like she is top notch and she only has like three i mean like two entries and one where she's not nancy but she is nancy Mm -hmm. but i still love her Mm -hmm. in that movie i feel like her story was sufficient I had a good amount mm. of her, and also she does die, and her death as a final girl, I feel like, is good. Is mm-hmm. It's sad, but it's also in a way where, like, I'm okay with it. She helped these teens out with their problems, and then she gets let go into the atmosphere with her father and her family. I feel like it's right. fine. In this, right. in this franchise, we've just gone so long with her that she's suffered it's so like much. Point, you know, it's I so agree. hard. 
But we shall see. I totally agree. We shall see. We shall see next month. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll we'll text you the minute that we find out. <laughs> You'll be like, oh, no, did you see? Unless Kevin Williamson would be like, each theater gets like four different endings. <laughs> right. Just confuse everybody. Mm-hmm. Just pull a paranormal activity. This theater is going to get that <laughs> ending and this one. We're going to see which one's more popular and then we'll release it to everybody else. Which, girl, if that's the case, listen, I'm going to theaters. I'm going to try to find find those endings. I would, too. All right, guys. We are reached to the end of Meats and Potatoes. We're going to take a quick little break. And when we come back, we're going to just rate the movie. So stay tuned. Welcome back, gays, schools, and everyone in between. This is our Justice segment. I'm probably going to edit everything out before, but in case I do, uh, I had to do that three times because I messed up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is the segment where we are going to be rating the movie itself. First, from zero to ten, scared Cody's on how scary was it? And then from zero to ten, I, I think I said Ghostface last time. What do we, we pick did now? Say Ghostface. Um, Gail's highlights. Oh, oh yes, Gail's highlights from zero to ten. Gail's highlights. Rate the movie overall on how you liked it. So, guys, let's start with AJ first. Zero to ten. Scared Cody's. How scary was it? Um, I would say. Honestly, yeah, some of the I'll go off of a baby AJ versus this one that like knows stuff, <laughs> knows a little too much. I would give this seven scared Cody's because that's still in Ohio. That's too close to Indiana. Why are you over here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this movie ever scared me. So I'm gonna go zero. Ooh, a zero. Controversial. It's people it's people yelling at you. <laughs> I'm never going to their I laughed in the face of danger. Somebody was just like, you need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh I think I would give this one I would say a six. I don't think it was like there weren't any parts that were like super, super, super scary for me either. But there were definitely some parts that, that like Freaked me out. I mean, I never like when uh, when someone is getting stalked in their house. Not about that. I also like the scene uh, where th- she's in the theater rehearsal and all of a sudden the ghost face is just there, but then he's not. And you're like second guessing yourself about whether or not they were there for most of that yeah. scene. I thought that was super well done. So I'm going to give it a six. I am going to give it, I'm going to give it actually a four. This movie didn't scare me, but I can definitely like the beginning part was scary especially like the stabbing of maureen and the beginning like just cruel i was like oh my god i cringe at that section also the scene with cc that did get me on edge a little bit and also the scene with um hallie and sydney in the backseat of the car that whole scene was pretty suspenseful and the gore really surprised me so i do have to say like this movie did scare me a little bit more than I expected her to. So I'll give mm-hmm. it a four. All right. Now, from zero to 10, 
Gail's highlights. What would you rate uh, it overall on how you liked it? How does it rate for you in your movie uh, movie verse? We'll start with John A. Well, for the record, I did not like Gail's highlights. Oh! But... <laughs> fair, I fair. give this movie... <laughs> I give this movie a nine and a half. Ooh. What knocked it half point down? The original is always better. Okay. Fair. <laughs> fair enough. But I still I still really love this movie. What's wrong? What's wrong, Ashley? I am so done with you. <laughs> oh my God. You don't ever like anything. And I know this is your favorite franchise, but you don't ever like nothing. And I am just so <laughs> surprised that this got such a high rating. You guys know if we have any survivors in the house, y'all know how she do. And I know y'all melt is on the floor too. Like, I'm just... <laughs> Who is I like things. I like you know, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. We all know that Mikey is my favorite of all mm-hmm. time. Well, you guys have to watch that one. You guys have to watch Mikey. Mikey, like Mikey, Mikey? Mm hmm. It's like 90, was it 92, 93? Mm hmm. 92. What? It's on Prime. Yeah, just Killer Kid. That's all you need to know. Wes Craven's wife is in it if you needed a Wes Craven connection. Wait, and you gave it a 10? No. She gave that a 90. (gasps) Yeah, I gave it a 90. That good? She don't like nothing. She don't like nothing. I want to know. I want to know. What did you give it? I, I think I rated it. I think I gave it a 90. See, but you can't go see me. I'm a like it. Her, she don't like nothing. (laughs) She, I was surprised she liked you Creed. Did. You gave it a 92. Okay. Yeah, I, I loved Creep. I loved Creep. This one over here. Did not like. She didn't like Hell House. <gasps> I didn't like it. I love that. Wow. We are like all over the charts. <laughs> yeah, she is all over the place. Like, I just be like, I don't know what you're going to like and what you're not going to like. But that's, that's the, the thing. It's like, of our show. it's like, you don't know. Like, wh- I never know where you're going to go. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like Hell House, and it's it's interesting because I listen to everyone else's episodes about Hell House, and I'm like, okay, I, I see your point, I get it, I see where you're coming from. I just, I think I, we okay. we liked it, right? Uh, you were scared of it. I that was that was one of the movies where I'm like, I recognize that the movie is done well, but I hate it. He also because see, it terrified me. Our episode of Creep, we covered it all. Me thinking that he enjoyed it because we had a good conversation of how well it was. And then when he was like, I'll be okay if I never see this movie again. I'm like, my heart. Like, if I give up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, it, it got, it got too real for me. <laughs> and I just, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. We should put you two on the episode together and just let y'all hash it out. I would love to see it. Me and Sergio, we can just hang down in the back. I just. We have two different podcast episodes running at the same time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right, AJ, what would you give it from zero to 10? I think I'm going to stick with my seven. I still, even though, and everybody knows, I will poop on a movie and call out stuff. I still like this one. I still think it's a very solid sequel. I don't think it's better than Child's Play 2. But um, 
I'm still give it a seven. Seven chunky Gale highlights. Chunky Gale highlights. Yes, those highlights were chunky. <laughs> it was low key giving me Kelly Rowland. <gasps> and uh, uh, Freddie versus Jason. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but also in that uh, the, what that Nelly song dilemma, dilemma. dilemma? where oh, she's no. texting in Excel. Yes, I used to yeah. do. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I definitely do see that comparison. But do you like it? So, are you guys since you guys favored the third one a little bit more? Do you guys like Gail's uh, hair in that baby bang? The baby bangs. I'm not looking forward to having I, to see that on my screen. I don't remember her hair. Girl, one. they look like you remember when Beyonce had them bangs and everybody was putting them curtains on her head and the memes. That's what Gail's bangs look like. They literally look like, see, you see, it? they I just look like Googled these. It. They look like this. Wait, Wait which one? Beyonce's bangs or, or Gail's? No, Gail's. Oh, Gail's. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, ew, look at Sydney's like. <laughs> side swoop there also what is going on you know i used to live back when my hair used to be straight i used to live for like a little light swoop into like a little ponytail y'all know i love a swoop where's she at over there y'all know i love a swoop if i could i would have like a high ponytail with a swoop i have no hair so i did that too i would do that that too like very ariana but not ariana you know <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't. Whose idea was it to give her? Now I'm upset. Wait, you said uh, because of Gail's? <laughs> yeah. They're bad, and it's consistent throughout the whole movie. Yeah, this will be a point of discussion <laughs> in our next, next episode. episode. <laughs> yeah, well, you're probably gonna have a few a few minutes on that. Um, mm-hmm. I can't wait. I cannot wait to hear the next episode. Though she does come back really strong with the four one. I think Gail does look good in four. Mm-hmm. And looks good now, too. See, I'm going to have to revisit Scream 4 because I think I saw it twice. The first time I saw it when it first came out. The second time, I think I watched it mm-hmm. with some friends and I just was still not convinced. But I was super excited for it because my mom had me watching Scream 1 through 3. And then when I found it, there was a fourth. And I was like, Mom, we got to watch this. Oh, my God. Not you forgetting you watched very, it with I mean, me. When did we watch Scream 4? At your Halloween party that we weren't supposed to have. Oh, shit. We did. <laughs> it's on record now. Everybody <laughs> everybody knows. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. Because my mother knows now that I had that Halloween party that I wasn't supposed to have. She was like, now you tell me. Um, but I don't think I was really watching it that night, though. You weren't. Because remember, my brother had faith. My brother we were. Planet, so. You gotta like right. sit down, yeah. have your like, like mind glued to to Screen Four, which also like says something about it if you have to go to that length to watch it. But like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it's kind of really bad. I I don't know. I'll watch it because it's great for like a mar- movie marathon. It's it's the fourth one. It's part of the story. I'll watch it. I'll put it on. Mm-hmm. Cody, your rating: zero to ten. Chucky Gale uh-huh. highlights, streaks, whatever it's called. I think I'm going to have to give this one an eight. Um, I I didn't like it quite as much as the original Scream. I do still really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that. Like, this is another one that the first time I watched it, I didn't see either one of the killers coming. So uh, I, I just, I, I love when a movie like. Yeah. The first time really watch was like last year for him for Scream 2. And 
he was gooped because mm-hmm. of Debbie Salt. Very gooped. So one one of the things that I can say about Debbie Salt though is that in this watch, I really watched her the whole time, mm-hmm. and she was just always everywhere. Mm-hmm. Just in the background, just lurking. Just lurking. Mm-hmm. Just lurking. Yeah. Uh, this this goes back to my point earlier that, like, girlfriend, if you don't want to get found out that you're the killer, stop being everywhere where the killer just was. But at the same time, it kind of did throw us off a little bit. Did you guys suspect it was Debbie Salt at all? No. no. Right? So I felt like they were doing something right. Well, but that's what I think these movies do so well. Is that like the first time you watch it, you don't see it coming at all. And the second time you watch it, you're like, this is so obvious. How did I not put all these mm-hmm. pieces together? Yeah. I would have to give it a... I'm going to give it a seven. Because I know a lot of other people... Actually, I, I know a few people who put Scream 2 over the original Scream. Um. Interesting. Yeah, right. I I don't think I would go to that length. I really love the original. And this is a good sequel. For uh, and that's how I'm gonna say like it's a good sequel. It's it expands the universe a little bit. It um I do enjoy that it kind of makes it a much bigger production. You know, I think tonally I'm kind of confused sometimes because it gets really violent and really serious, but then it's, I feel like it's having more fun this time around and there's more comedic and funny parts um, as opposed to the first one where the first one, I feel like there was a, just a good balance. There were like a few comedic parts, but with mostly right. being like a scary movie. Um, right. So I'm going to give it, yeah, I'm going to give it a seven. That's my rating. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> you sound like me i'm always saying what it is and then i gotta explain myself and then i gotta question myself yo because sometimes so. i mean listen i love the horror community but sometimes you know people mm-hmm. let themselves known and i'm like i get it i get it i'm sorry <laughs> like <laughs> no i understand <laughs> um and that's why i always tell cody too i always uh whenever he like gives a low rating i'm like oh you know like this is a a really liked movie right (laughs) like you're like this is like i just want you to know i don't want that to affect your rating i don't care we don't care what y'all think (laughs) i mean i i will not discount anyone's opinion you can like a movie that i hate uh i can like a movie that you hate both of our opinions are he usually gives he usually gives that spiel and, and has to explain like just so you know, this is my opinion. And I was like, plus, our podcast is mainly from a perspective of him not liking horror movies from the from the get-go. You know, so it's like mm-hmm. you gotta go into that knowing that. Right. So right. um, all right. That is the episode, guys. We have covered Scream 2. Guys, thank you so, so we literally cannot repay you enough. We cannot thank you enough. You guys are fabulous. We love you. We so love your fun. podcast. Everyone, right after listening to this, go over, subscribe, and follow their podcast wherever you can uh, find them because they have amazing stuff over there. Uh, if you guys can take the moment, plug your podcast to to the listeners, let them know where they can find you. We are Destination 180 Podcast, but when you look us up on the socials, that is IG, Twitter, TikTok, 
it's just D180 podcast. Um, our podcast, well, you know what? We ain't gonna take up all the time, but you know, Apple, Spotify, you can find us on a few more other places too. And of course, I won't forget this time to mention our Patreon where you can find some exclusive goodies, get some fast passes for you. Yes, they do a lot of extra episodes there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, guys. So that is it for us. Uh, where you can find us, the horror bandwagon. You can follow us on Instagram at the horror bandwagon or on Twitter at horror bandwagon. No, the you can also go to our email if you want to shoot us an email. Any suggestions, want to say hi, you can shoot us an email at the horror bandwagon at gmail.com. And we also have a website at www.thehorrorbandwagon.com. We also have merch over there. If you want to click on that, buy some merch. Any profit that we make, we're going to go ahead and donate it right directly to the Trevor Project. So we'll try to raise some money for them. And we'll probably continue to do that every year. We also have a YouTube channel where we uh, react to stuff. And that's cool. So (laughs) go over to that YouTube channel. That is also at The Horror Bandwagon. Uh, again, we have to thank our lovely guests. We also have a guest uh, coming in next week for Scream 3 and another guest for Scream 4. But you'll have to wait to check that out. All right, guys. For now, we have been your source for horror analysis. Criticism. And spooky. Okay. And sometimes kooky. Entertainment. Good night. <laughs>